Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Um, okay, so let's start with the recording. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's edit this. Okay. Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast, Episode Seven. Winter building and simming. We were scheduled to have uh, a designer on here, but uh, our guest lost his voice last minute and we had to reschedule. So we're going to be talking about some winter building stuff and, you know, what do we do during the winter time since uh, we both live up in the Northeast and we just had this nice uh, blizzard of 2016. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, basically couldn't fly or anything. So we'll kind of talk about what we did. Uh, my name is Steve and we have Kevin here. Hey guys. So what have you been up to, Kevin? Uh shoveling, like you yeah. mentioned. Uh yeah. I'm in a lot better shape than I was last week, though, I'll tell you that much. Cause, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, because I was out shoveling for like the whole weekend. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure nobody wants to hear about. Oh but, man, I had to buy a shovel. I didn't even have a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. You know what? You know what? I shake my head at people like you when I go to Home Depot like a week before a storm and I just mm. want to get like another gas can like i have six of them and i want to get another one because i'm like johnny prepper and uh i see people you know running out with shovels and i'm like dude you really you don't have a shovel or you don't have two shovels like i'll see a guy with with two shovels and i'll be like dude really Uh, i don't know just it cracks me up i guess you know what sandy taught me a lot hurricane sandy or sandy right or superstorm Superstorm, Sandy. Superstorm, yeah. It was we, uh, bumped up to Superstorm. <laughs> you know what? And every time I say that, I think of this. Um, there was a kid in the neighborhood growing up. Now, you know me. I'm I'm a little older. So there was there was a, a different um, – things weren't as as uh, politically correct and as offensive as they were yeah. – as they are now back in the day, you know? Sure. So uh, there was a kid that was, you know, a little – had a little – couple mental issues and his name was sean so they used to call him super sean so now every time i hear you know superstorm sandy i always think of super super sean (laughs) it's like a tongue twister to say yeah (laughs) Yeah. so so what i've been up to i've been building ft stuff i've been building ft planes man didn't think i was actually gonna do the uh the arrow i've been working on the explorer for a little while Mm -hmm. and uh i went to do like you build the fuselage and you build the tail section and you need pretty long push rods to go through the the uh, coffee stirrers that they have you set in there as push rod guides and i have the the stuff that i've bought from flight test that's the i think it's 16 inches long mm-hmm. and that wasn't even long enough they it poked through but it didn't go down nearly as far as as uh in the video it was showing so I, oh, wow. I, I might have skipped over the part where they said, you know, you're going to need longer push rod, um, push rods to go, you know, all the way where we recommend gluing the servos in. Okay. But uh, I didn't see it, so I don't know if, you know, if they're just, you know, hammering through the build video and didn't didn't say anything about it. Um, I, mean, I huh. think they did. Like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to say that they didn't because I might have just skipped over it. Sure. So I went on Amazon, and I've never done this. Like I've always gotten either push rods from my local hobby store or i've gotten push rods from flight test 
Because uh, you really with their planes, you you really don't have to make them long. Like you don't have to get long stuff. They're usually like six inches, maybe tops. Okay. Yeah. I I googled like what's a good diameter wire to get for push rods for RC planes, and I went on Amazon, and I got uh, a point zero five one diameter wire, and that's I guess that's a little bit larger than I would have liked. Um, you, you, have you gotten those 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 small um, linkage stoppers from Flight Test? Um, I think so. I, I don't think I've ever bought them from Flight Test, but I think uh, Kevin Matusek's kid. I think he uses the same one that uses like a little uh, Phillips head screwdriver. Like, yeah, screw to, it's not like an Allen key, right? Right, right. Okay, the, yeah. I have, I have those with the little Allen key, and I have the ones with the little Phillips head. Mm-hmm. And so the the wire diameter is a little bit large to go through the the smaller one with the Phillips head. So I'm I just used a couple of the old uh, ones that I had with yeah. the Allen key on them. So that worked out really good. I mean, and I wasn't even sure about, you know, it comes in a little bundle. It's all wound in a circle. So, you know, getting it. Oh, it wasn't even straight? It was no, one, no, like, coiled yeah. up? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I should, I should see if I can find it real quick. Give you the length. I think it was. Maybe yeah, not. so. I know, it was, of... I know it was like three bucks. Oh, like, that's cheap. It was pretty cheap. So I said, yeah, hey, let me try it out. And uh, you know, all you got to do is is take a piece off the length that you need, just start folding it out, and it, it folded out pretty good. I I try. I even tried. Somebody had mentioned somewhere. I I they said if you stick the one end in a vise and the other end on a on a drill and like give it a couple of turns, it'll straighten out. So I tried that, but that nearly cost me my eyeball. So <laughs> oh yeah, how good. Yeah. Like just whipping but, around. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. Well, I guess I don't know, so I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> but uh, it was—it's easy enough to like, like, sight it up like you're looking down a rifle and just bend, bend it straight. It was easy enough to do that, and then you're going through the the coffee, uh, the coffee stirs, yeah, as it is. So, so I, I've never built a uh, FT Explorer, so I'm I'm sure there's probably folks that listen that don't. So where's the uh, that haven't either? Where's the servos located? Like, what do you mean? Like, how far is like? Is it in the front part of the fuselage? It's not like where FT planes usually have the the servos kind of mount in the midsection or the, the towards the end. Yeah, this thing is designed to be modular, so you could actually move stuff around. Like, you could move the 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 tail section is on like a long boom, and you I I'm I'm guessing you could move that to a different part of the actual fuselage. Like, fuselage is almost in two pieces. There's like the main front piece, and then there's okay. the back piece with the elevator and the rudder on it with this long mm-hmm. boom and it's all out of you know it's all out of foam board dollar tree foam so sure. what you do is you would take the the push rods and go all the way towards the front where the servos um would mount kind of closer to the actual fuselage once you put that that in oh okay so the fuselage and the, the big part where the motor mount and the wing mounts to that's you're talking about that's separate then on this kit yeah i like I said, I'm only halfway through it, but I know they said you can put that in a different location. You could move it up on the fuselage. Oh, um, okay. You could actually move it. Uh, I think I'm going to have it on the bottom. Um, so I guess you can, like, change stuff around with this. You could actually build two fuselages if you wanted the of the main nose part and put them on one wing. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah I, think I think I want to try to that. build that. Cool. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool build. It's not too bad. It's 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 a little bit more advanced than some of their stuff. 
But did you um did you buy a kit or did you cut it out from plans? No, I cut it out from plans. I just printed okay. that. Printed the plans out. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and they have two different wings. One's you know one's a three channel, one's a four channel. So the one wing has got some dihedral to it. Or and which version did you go with? I went with the aileron version. Okay, cool. I might try some. I don't know if I'm gonna try FPV with it. I you know it's it seems like it's a Dollar Tree version of a Bixler. Sort of so, or the Bixler mm-hmm. two or three, whichever one you know. Choose your okay. freaking flavor, but uh, right. <laughs> but so, and I know I'm not like don't need the fly. So I just figured I'd, I'd get it and try it out. You know, see so see if I like it. Yeah, for a couple of bucks, it's worth a, a build. You know. Yeah, just to try it out, and you know what? If, if I get um, to a point where I'm not like liking it or whatever, I can give it to Anthony for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, I know he's looking for. Something to to beat up. Mm-hmm. Nice. What else you been up to? And then I I, I worked on the, uh, the arrow real quick. I didn't think it, you know it, that build that thing went together pretty quick because it's a just a small wing. You know, it's a smaller right. version I think of the Versa wing. Um, I'm building an FPV version, and I ordered some stuff for that. But I did just went and did um, some color on it. Like I went from the inside out. I went uh, red, orange, yellow, and then white. Sort of, mm-hmm. and nice. that should that should go pretty good. I mean, it looks like it'd be a quick little plane. Takes a little uh, two hundred and fifty quad motor. Yeah, I saw the picture on Facebook. Um, what did you do for the bottom though? Is the bottom like that too? Where you have yeah, the, okay. oh, the bottom. It's it's funny because the wings are in one piece. So when I angled it down, when I angled the color down, mm-hmm. when you get to the underside, it almost winds up going straight across the fuselage from like the the middle towards the end of the wing towards the wing tip okay just, just the way that it i just wanted one piece like you know before i folded it over i laid the tape out right yeah and i was talking to uh pat um from the community cast and he was like oh that looks like a jawbreaker so i was like oh that's a good name for it <laughs> I figure out how to put jawbreaker on it maybe i'll nice. do something with um you know black tape and just cut it out or something we- Oh, you know what you should do? Um, maybe like uh, not not a jawbreaker. Maybe I could like maybe three D print you something, but like like a, a half a ball or a half like a a top, and you can paint it like a jawbreaker with like spots on it or whatever, and then kind of mount it. I don't know on the top of your plane, just so you can mount it underneath, thing. and I could just land on it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that's that's what I've been up to. I mean, I ordered the stuff. I actually got it today from Altitude Hobbies. I like those guys because I get stuff pretty quick. You know, they're cheap pretty quick in shipping and all that. Oh, awesome. So I got the motor and I got the ESC for that. What motor and ESC did you go? The 1806 or the 2204? I think 20, uh, pretty sure 20, 2204. Okay, good. Yeah, and I got a 12 amp ESC. One of their, I think I got it like a, a quad ESC. Yeah. Yeah, those, I mean, quad or plane, I don't, I don't think it really matters. That's a job. I think it's the same one I put on the RA cores. So what have you been up to, man? A bunch of stuff. Uh, been, been a bit busy. Um, work's been hectic, but when I got home, I just kind of had some time to do some uh, building. And, and basically over the weekend was the majority of the, the building I've done. But uh, I first started cutting out the uh, Nerdnik. NNA10, basically a Warthog A10. Oh, nice. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. The, it's it's weird because there's real no instructions for it. So I just have plans with a bunch of parts and it's like fuselage and, you know, f- fuselage formers and this and that. And, you know, so I'm just like, okay, let me, you know, I have experience building flight test planes. So let's let's see how far I get. So uh, I was able to get the fuse built, the fuselage built. I was able to get the wings complete. The wings is just like a, a flight test, you know. Um, the fold airfoil over. wing, yeah, the fold over with the the uh, foam spar on the on the wings. Did he do? Um, is it like complete wings, or did they do the 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 pockets on the on the tips? I think what you're talking about is under camber on the tips. Right. Um, I want to say there is. Yes, you know there definitely is because um, it has the same style where you put the servo at the end for the ailerons. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely under camber on the on the end. It's probably about a. I think about like three or four inches of under camber on it. Okay. Um, you know, the wing went together really, really quick and easy. The fuse was very basic, B folds, and kind of get that together. And then you slot in the horizontal stabilizer, and then you put the end caps on for it. Um, one of the things that I, I'm curious about with the uh, um, elevator is that they're split. There's two elevators, one on each side, so. Yeah, but there's no rudder in the middle because it has this vertical stabilizers on the side of the horizontal stabilizer. So oh right, yeah. I'm not sure why they're split, except that I guess for the design of it to have the the little bit of the fuselage at the end to kind of give it that little, I don't know, little tail to it. Um, so I don't know if I should combine like you know put in like a little carbon fiber U type of deal or something, or or if I have to use two servos. Oh, um, that's that's weird. Yeah. So I think I'm going to try two servos now. I was going to say on the larger models, I know that they'll do two servos for redundancy. Okay. You know, on like well, the, the larger, like 3D. Like right, right. Gassers and stuff like that. I mean, this kit isn't that big. It's not, it's not a very big plane. So I'm thinking I'm going to do two. And so that way I could do, you know, when I do elevator, it'll move at the same time. But I'm thinking of like maybe trying to also do some mixing with the rudder channel, okay. So that way, when I um, when I bank and I'm yanking, I could also like drag one of the elevators to create some drag, which will maybe make the tail yaw around. I don't know. Do those rudders function on the back there? No. Okay. So it's only a bank and yank type of plane. Also, I was thinking, which would be cool, is if I mix in the uh, elevators with the uh, ailerons. Yeah, so I could have both elevator and ailerons, you know, go up and down at the same time on each side and make it roll quicker. Maybe I don't know. So I, I'm gonna have to definitely ex- experiment with it and see what I could work out. But um, uh, I did have a little incident building the um, nacelles, the EDF nacelles for it. <laughs> uh <laughs> oh, kids, be very careful with hot glue. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone knows that hot glue is obviously hot. You know, and I've, I've gotten burned before, and you get little second-degree burns where your skin will puff up a little, and you have a little callus kind of, you know, thing there. But um, I got a quite a bit of glue on my two spots on my hand, one on my ring finger, one in, like, just where my ring finger and um, middle finger kind of meet up. And then I got a whole bunch of hot glue on my middle finger, on the side of it. Um my first reaction, as probably most, is, oh, crap, this is really hot, and you try to take the glue off your finger. And when I did that, I took 
a big chunk of my skin off with it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I mean, the only way I could describe it is like, you know, you watch like Walking Dead and like all these zombie movies and you see like, you see skin and then you see underneath the skin. (laughs) 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 Oh, it was really red and pinkish underneath. And um, (laughs) yeah. It's a good thing we're explicit, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I don't even know if I should post uh, a picture of it because it was pretty gruesome. I mean. (laughs) It's healing already, you know. It's it's been two days now, and it's dude healing up nice. But what what you fly helis? Your reaction time should be like amazing. And so, what was the deal? You got the hot glue on. You were like, oh, there's hot glue on my finger. Uh, so, or, or were you <laughs> holding something together? Well, I was holding the, the the so okay on the EDF. You basically wrap a foam. You take the paper off the foam and you wrap uh, the foam around the EDF to kind of make that like thrust. Okay, right. Like the tires on the on the bush. Yeah, tire. yeah, exactly. So, so I was doing that and basically trying to hold. Like I lined the glue, started wrapping around the EDF, and then I put my hands in there to kind of get get it tucked in there better. And I got hot glue all over my hands. Oh man! Um, while I'm like freaking out, like you know, not screaming, but like, you know, I, I put the rest of the. EDF on because like, once that hot glue seals, I'm gonna have to rebuild that thing. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'll just put it on. I got a rubber band on it, and then I attended to my finger. Big mistake. Attend to your fingers first, kids. <laughs> don't don't worry about the plane or the EDF or one of the parts because it's made out of foam. I could just recut a new one and do it. But now I know I will have a scar on this middle finger forever. It oh, won't. Not, it's not gonna heal right just because. I mean, I lost good portion of my skin and and there's still a good portion that's like on the bottom that's still um <laughs> white from like blistering up jeez dude yeah it was it was no joke i mean obviously i w- went straight to the bathroom rinsed it off uh with some cool water to kind of cool it down and like recede the blood away from the wound and well, then what, uh, what sucks is that it's hot as hell, and then it sticks to your. It's like napalm. It sticks to your finger. Yeah. So it's like it's hot as hell, and it's stuck to your finger. And normally, when you get like hot glue on you and it's hot, you could kind of like rub it off, kind of yeah, like, like you know, like when you used to be a kid and you used to put uh, white glue on your hand. You the rubber cement. To, yeah. Yeah, peel the fake skin off or rubber cement, right? But no, I just decided to grab an edge and just yank it off, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> my finger <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's pretty bad so please uh hot glue plus skin and ripping the glue off your finger will make your finger look like a zombie <laughs> so i'm gonna ask the question that everybody's dying to know out there they're, mm-hmm. how did the nacelle come out did it come out good <laughs> um it's not done yet i I basically put oh, rubber bands on it before I ripped it, you know, before I tended to my finger. So I put a rubber band around the, the main EDF part that was gluing so it would hold. And then it's been sitting like that since uh, okay. since Saturday. No, oh, no, sorry, Sunday. Was, was that the first one or the second one? Nope, that's the first one. I still oh. have a second one to do. So mm-hmm. now I'll be a little more careful and be mindful about getting that hot glue on my skin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Ugh. I showed my coworkers today, and they're like, "Oh my god, that must have hurt." <laughs> like, yeah, it was throbbing for you know until I went to sleep, <laughs> until I basically Jeez. passed out from the pain. No. I think the <laughs> worst I've ever done is I I remember working on a plane. And I had shorts on, and I had a I had hot glue drop off the glue and hit me in the 
in the leg, you know, like in the thigh. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to work the next day, and I remember saying, "Yeah, I got, I got hot glue and on my, you know, I was where I told him I was working with shorts on. I got hot glue on my leg, and one of my smart ass coworkers was like, "Oh, what were you were you scrapbooking?" And I was like, "No, jackass, I was building an airplane." <laughs> scrapbooking. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Wow. I can see you scrapbooking. Me? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Not yeah. at all. Yeah, hell of It'd a be scrapbook. like a middle scrapbook. Yeah. <laughs> it would look like the inside of a bathroom at like CBGBs or something. CBGBs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so I mean, so that happened. Um besides that, I did a I did a whole bunch of stuff. I I rebuilt my Oxy 3 cube. Uh I replaced the servos because I re I soldered these micro JST connectors on the servos because I was using the uh, oh that's right or the micro icon which yeah think about it um, I don't know something's wrong with that thing that you know so I basically since my Blade 360 CFX is still crashed I figure I have BK servos for that the the blue ones for like you know that people use for the goblin 380s i got a set of those so i'll put those servos in the 360 i took the turnergy uh what is it s306g servos out of that that have the regular servo connectors i also pulled the icon off of that and i I put it all in the oxy 3 so that's rebuilt um i bought a set of blades you know I, i know you don't like ebay so much but (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know. It's not like I don't like it. It's just my first instinct is to go to Amazon. Maybe because I'm an Amazon Prime member. Sure, sure. My my mine's the opposite. My first thing is to go to eBay, see if I can find a deal. You know, get something cheaper than retail. Yeah. But uh, I had I had seventeen dollars in eBay bucks from just purchasing random things. You know, prior the last quarter, I guess. And so I was like, oh, I need a set of blades. I think it was. Thirty-six or thirty-seven dollars for the oxy, or not oxy, but the Lynx. Um, not Lynx. What is it? Zeal. Sorry, Zeal. Uh, two fifty-five millimeter tri-blade set. So it was like thirty-six bucks. I had seventeen bucks. I basically paid twenty bucks, uh, a little less than twenty bucks, shipped to my door. I got that's it four bad. days later or three days later. So, so I got new blades for that. Um, so that's all fixed up, ready to go. So hopefully I'll be able to remain it. Um. I don't know. Next time we fly, we'll see how the weather is. And then uh, what else did I do? My Durafly Hyperbite plane. I crashed that, what, like maybe two months ago or three months ago? Yeah. It was definitely like Probably like two months ago. summer or fall. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened. I was flying it, and it just fell out of the sky. So I cracked the whole front, the top wing. Um, I ripped one elevator. Not elevator. Um the aileron on the top wing off. I ripped the rudder off. Um, you know, pretty much smashed it up. So I had some. Uh, uh, what, what's that glue again? It's not the foam tack, but uh, the other one that's kind of like it in a red tube. Oh, shoot, why can't the I remember? Red tube. Yeah. I know I got some stuff at Home Depot one time that worked really good on repairing the aileron. What's the glue that they recommend for the. Um, uh, Twisted Hobbies, Crack Beaver. That's the one. It's like, oh, I don't know. I use I used foam tack on that. You're using foam. Oh, well, anyways, it's it's foam tack type of glue. It smells a little bit more than foam tack. But um, I had a tube of that stuff, so I was like, oh, let me try this and see if it works. I I glued the rudder back on. Everything seemed to be fine. 
So I went ahead and glued the rest of the plane together. Um, gluing the aileron back on with just a glue hinge, no other like blenum tape or anything like that. And that, that seemed to stuck on very good and it, you know, it has flexibility. It was very flexible, I mean. Um, so that came out okay. And then I, you know, go went ahead and I actually added a um, couple of grams of weight in the fuselage in the front prior to gluing the nose back together so that way I could tuck it in there. Okay. And I put the motor back in there and I tucked it in, wired it all up. I haven't tested anything yet, so I don't know if the motor is wired up right, but um, I have access to the ESC now. And like, it's just, I just kind of made it work and glued it back together. And um, I mean, I sent you pics. I think it, I think it looks pretty good. It, you know, I put yeah. landing gears back on and everything. And I actually took um, the landing gears, like there's a little plastic piece that the landing gears go into. And then there's like a little clip that pushes in and holds it. Um, the foam around it always gets beat up and kind of like the Sequoia where like it starts to flop forward and back. Yeah. So um, the, I think the rear part of that kind of gets pushed in. The foam. Exactly. Yeah. Just in. from the wheels dragging and pushing the foam. Right. So I ended up, uh, you know, putting some glue in there and I just stuck like little pieces of uh, popsicle sticks in there to kind of sturdy it up. And even if it crushes more, like at least the popsicle sticks will kind of add more, uh, you know, density to it, I guess. So hopefully that'll hold up. That's cool. So yeah, I can't wait to fly that again because that was a fun plane to fly. Oh, um, I was gonna ask you, yeah, how how did you like flying that? Every time I flew it, I felt like it was tail heavy, and hence me trying to add a couple grams of weight in front. Um, so we'll see. I mean, but it was a fun plane. It was it, it rolled quick. I liked, and I was very visible. I love the paint scheme. Oh, I gotta I gotta tell you about the stickers. So when I was uh, lining up the rudder. To glue the rudder back on, you know, I would dab a couple of glue on the little uh, plastic hinges they have, stick the rudder back in, and then I would use uh, painter's tape. Okay. And I took the painter's tape, went on my jeans and, sh- you know, right, shirt yeah. to kind of dull the stickiness to it, and I put it on. Cool. It held perfectly in place. Glued the rudder on. When it came time to take the painter's tape off, all the stickers pretty much peeled right off. <laughs> yeah, so you'll, you'll see when... Uh, when I fly it again, it's those stickers. I mean, they're again, so cheap. I know. I know we spoke about it on a previous episode, but those Durafly stickers, I don't know. I think they're like water applied, like where you wet the sticker and then you put it on the plane and then you let it dry and then that's how it adheres. It's garbage. They <laughs> Most of it came off. I mean, so, I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's a little 3D foamy, you know plane and i'm just gonna crash again and glue back together so i'm not really overly concerned about it but it does kind of suck that like you know i purposely made the tape as dull as i can to just have very little adhesion and it still took the the stickers off with it well that was my point with the p40 like you're paying 180 bucks for this plane you know you can't put a couple of decent stickers in there you don't don't give me four different schemes i just give me the teeth that i want and Mm -hmm. Give me some decent stickers, you know? Yeah, I don't understand it. Like, I mean, why? I, I don't get why I use these stickers. Like, the same thing on the EFX racer. Like, why not just use, like, vinyl stickers, like, that most kits come with, you know? Yeah, I don't I know. I don't know. Mm, yeah, maybe it costs a lot more. I don't Five know. Five cents more a plane, maybe? And, you know, you always hear that. Yeah. About corporations. Yeah, I guess, you know, five cents and they sell a thousand planes. You know, whatever, <laughs> fifty bucks, whatever. They just lost fifty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, let's see what else. Oh, I did also build an FT Arrow. Um, That's right. Yeah, that kit went together like I mean, I I printed out the plans, laid it on the foam, cut it out, glued it together, added the servos, and and did a tape job on the the top part and the bottom. Um, mine's a little bit different than yours. I kind of had this um, this packing tape that had a design on it, which was kind of basically like zigzags. It's white tape with green zigzags. I used that all in the middle. And then on the ends, about four layer thick, so about five, six inches, I guess, the tape is, uh, two inches wide. So about three layers or four layers on your side, I had the purple that I got from you. Oh, right, yeah. And then on the and then on the bottom, I kind of like hid all the wrap of the paper, I mean of the tape from the top with a purple strip on the leading edge, and then um, and then I taped the rest with clear um, tape, so you see a white bottom with a, a purple leading edge. Oh, that's cool. Uh, the FPV pod or the fuselage portion of that, which I love, I I think it's so much better designed than the uh, Versa, having that little bit of a fuselage in the middle. Um, I mean, I just used black uh, foam, Dollar Tree foam board for that, and uh, <clears throat> the vertical stabilizers on the side on the, on the wingtips. So, kind of, you know, gave it a different look. Um, I definitely like your paint, your uh, taping job, but um, we'll see how this one holds up. I don't know. Yeah, and I I usually tape from the outside in because then all my seams are covered up um, by the next layer, and you right. you won't have a tendency to rip off anything small. But with that scheme i started from the inside out and I wanna, i'm curious to see what happens there i don't think i have anything that's like um because it's all folded over i don't think i have anything exposed to where it would rip off but we'll okay. see. see what happens yeah i mean i've been seeing well this ft arrow first of all <clears throat> on facebook has been like as far as i can tell like it gained popularity so quick yeah, There's like so everybody many built people, one. Yeah, so many people building one. And I've already seen people uh, with the crash ones, and I've seen, you know, half the wing just rip right off. Yeah, I saw that on, on the flight test fans yep, on Facebook. Yep. Yeah. And it seems like that's probably a weak point because of the way they design it, having the motor more in the middle of the wing than, like, at the end, like, you know, you normally would have with a Versa or a blunt nose Versa. Or any flying wing, really. But so it's kind of cut in to almost yeah. be like in the middle of the the wing. Um, so yeah, I feel like there's not much material between that corner and the leading edge. So we'll see well, how long this model actually lasts. Us. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Did you feel it necessary to add some more foam when you're looking at that from the back? It seems mm-hmm. like there's that gap that goes yeah. in that area you're talking about up to the motor. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of wide open. Yeah, yeah, I think it's supposed to be. I know in the video he was talking about, um, uh, Bixer was talking about, you know, make sure that uh, both of those are, like, lined up evenly on the fuselage. Right, when you glue that, the other piece in. Yeah, when you basically glue the fuselage in and you put, like, a little um, layer of glue between the fuselage and the wing, that those line up. Um, Of course, I didn't watch the video until a little bit later as I was working on it, and I was like, oh, so mine's a little bit crooked. Eh, whatever. I'll trim it out. It'll fly. Yeah. Yeah, it'll uh, fly. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, as long as it flies once, I'm happy. <laughs> that should be... Out the way. <laughs> I'm curious to see how it's going to be loading that up with the ESC and the receiver and the battery and then all my FPV stuff. I want to see... 
I don't think it's going to be too bad, but I'm just curious to see how it's going to work. I actually ordered a 600 milliwatt transmitter from Hobby King and um, FPV camera from Hobby King for that. Nice. And it was only like 30 bucks, 35 maybe for the transmitter and yeah. um, and like 25 for the camera, I want to say. I don't know. I can get the exact nice. numbers. But I always look for that 32 channel, you know, transmitter. So I know sure, I'm covered. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of, um, I mean, I kind of went cheaper. I don't know if I'm going to make this FPV because I have the, I have, I have quad motors, but they're all 1806, 2300 KV. So I know, I think in the video, he mentioned that, um, for FPV, because you're carrying a little more weight that you want to go with the 2204 or 2206 motor. Right. Just has a little bit more torque and power. Um, so, I, I mean, I didn't build the fuselage to have the FPV. I mean, I could always cut the cut a hole in it, really. That's the only difference that I saw was that there was a hole in one and, and the cover, you know, on one cover and the other cover didn't have a hole. Yeah, that's the only difference. Yeah, so I could just cut that out after if I want to. But, um, yeah, I'm going to try line of sight first. And if I really do want to go FPV, I have my little donor quad where I've been basically, you know, yanking all the parts off of. Um, I have a 250 milliwatt transmitter and uh, a board cam, and I think it, I think I bought that off of eBay from a U.S. seller or retailer for like 30 bucks. Oh, cool! Um, yeah, for the set. I mean, oh, wow. I have it on there, and I'm not really using it. I just need to. Uh, the only thing is that it uses a different SMA connector. So yeah, it's like that's opposite. That's where I get all confused, man. Like I. I, I don't have a computer down in the garage, so I don't do my ordering down in the garage. Okay. So I'll look at – I know I've been flying some of the 250 stuff with um, the quad stuff with my transmitter that has that straight – the one that comes with it, the antenna. It's not a circular, okay. a polarized circular Yeah, the antenna. whips. Yeah. yeah. Because the fact that I, I have an immersion RC set that I originally got for the ElectroHub and um, – And it's was, opposite, right? Yeah, and, and the the actual the male to female is 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 opposite, so I I couldn't reuse it on the two fifty. So I don't know. I have to sit through. I don't know where to get that. Probably just Hobby King, but I have to like bring it upstairs and make sure I get the right one. And you know, um, go through. Well, I'll tell you what happens. Like, I'll let you know what happens because I'm gonna try to find that. And if the if there's any Radio Shacks by you, usually they have them. Because when I was making my own antennas, I was able to get those SMA connectors from Radio Shack. So there is one in 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 the town I live in. So I'm gonna go and check it out. You still they didn't have all shack, dude? Yeah, they didn't all close down. I know that was like a a general conception that Radio Shack was totally going out of business, but they closed like I think like sixty percent of the stores or something like that. I know there was one way up in Sparta area that one's closed. Yeah, but the one by me in Hackensack is still open. So I'll check in there and see if they have the. Uh, the connector we need. If I, if they do, I'll buy an extra couple of them so that way I can throw you one too. All right, cool. Because I think it'll be easier than like trying to figure out antennas and yeah, I don't that, buy a different set of antennas. I like the immersion antennas for what it is right now. I don't need it for this for the arrow, but mm-hmm. I you know I'm thinking of getting something that's 90 degrees to where I can you know mount the transmitter flat and put the antenna straight up for of that 90 degrees. Yeah, yeah, you're going to want to do that because you're going to want to put it in the wing. Yeah. Right? Because there's no extra room, so you want to put it in the wing. So, I mean, I've been seeing people on Facebook put 2200s with a 2212 motor on that thing. 
Oh, wait, like 2200 3S batteries in that mm-hmm. thing? Holy yeah. And what they did is, uh, from what I could tell, is that they put a 2212 or, you know, just like the regular default flight test motor that, you know, most of their planes take, like the 1400 KV or whatever. Right. It would take that motor, mount in the back, put the ESC on top of the pod of the fuselage, and then okay. slide and then have the battery in there. Okay. Yeah. You know, they would have to make modifications to the fuselage a little, but yeah, easily, I, you know, I can't see why you wouldn't, if you need to fit like a wider battery you could just kind of cut down on the wings before you build the fuselage and just build the fuselage bigger so what are they getting like four hour flight times or what <laughs> yeah right probably <laughs> i don't know i mean <laughs> well, what size small. props on that it's only a six inch prop right uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah i think so it's basically dude, when, with the quad like, you do a six inch 20 prop. minutes on that easy yeah i would think well with <laughs> that motor you probably only have to run it at like yeah no more than you know a third power that's funny, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, with the win- with the weight of it, but that's not a big wing. I mean, it's small. What is it like, thirty inches or something? It's yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's around there. I it's thought pretty... it was actually smaller than that until I built it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I I do like the way it looks. I kind of you know I can't wait to actually fly it and see how it goes. Yeah, I'm not gonna break that thing out though until the snow's all gone and you know it's dried up in a decent day. Because I want yeah. to doing some FPV with that. Nice. See how that goes. Yeah, yeah. I got to I got to so do uh the uh mating video for the Raiden and and give that FPV a try. That should be interesting. Yeah. And scary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our uh, main topic, um winter building and simming. We'll we'll talk about I guess what we do, some tips and stuff. Um Kevin, let's see what you got. Okay. I was thinking about it. Um now that it, this is kind of like the second or third year going through winter and building stuff during the winter and fixing stuff during the winter. So a couple of my my tips, especially for me, I probably, you know, I should practice what I preach. I probably won't even do half of them. But um, <laughs> I was thinking along these lines. All right, so this is like a wish list of tips maybe. I don't know. Okay. Um, but uh, definitely clean your work area. Like I, for, I don't like to clean or i don't like to clean i should say um because it's, it's a pain it's tedious nobody likes doing it but what i've found is i also don't like to work in an area where i have stuff under my feet and with the foam planes that we cut out you're always getting the the little pieces they're always usually about 18 inches long by a quarter inches you know quarter inch square that's always like running around under your feet so mm-hmm. i find that before you start a new like project the new plane definitely like clean your work area and get the stuff off the workbench i i have a pretty large surface that i think is pretty large surface it's about five foot wide i think by about 32 inches away from the wall mm-hmm. and uh i had that loaded with some stuff and i was working on it and until i cleaned it and realized how much easier it was to work on something with a clean work bench it it sounds stupid to say but it actually made it a lot easier not losing stuff and just made the build go a lot quicker overall you know sure yeah so i I always try to start with a with a clean bench with a new project or something um and i always do this is something I, i wish i could do more and i have to figure out a better system on is just to inventory the stuff you have because you you get a new um 
like flight test release and releases a new plane or you smash something and you know you got to fix it it's so easy to say oh i'll go to hobby king and order it but you never know you might have it there it's just under you know a box you haven't moved in a while or in a toolbox or you know put away somewhere that you you didn't realize you had it you might have bought like in my case i've bought uh, an esc and a motor for the storage that i still haven't i've cut out but i haven't built uh so if something else came along that required that i could easily use that esc motor and i wouldn't sure. have to wait or buy it right so you know definitely do an inventory of some of your stuff so you know what you have especially with servos too i mean yeah i have now i must have at least 20 servos in a in a bin downstairs that i have to test because i don't know if they're good or not i ripped them out of a plane and mm-hmm. that's crashed and who knows if they even work i have no clue so right, I have right. to go through those and test those, and there you go. Then I don't have to buy, you know, I know they're cheap, but uh, you don't have to wait either. And one thing I want to do is I want to try and figure out how to get a whiteboard down in my garage because a lot of times I'm, while I'm working, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to order that, and uh, then I forget, like those little connectors for the, the antennas we were just talking about. Yep. Or I go upstairs, and now I'm on the computer, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I need a fuselage for that big plane I just busted up. But you forget the little stuff. So I mean, you could easily, you could easily do that on your phone. But I think for me, having a whiteboard where I could just write it down and then just take a picture of it, you know, with your phone and go upstairs and. Yeah, know. sure. So yeah, that, definitely. That's, that's something I might, I might think of doing. And I think um, I got that idea from the guys at RCHN. Those guys uh, discussed that like last year, I think. One of the guys, Nick or Jesse, were, was talking about that, and I thought that was a fantastic idea. Nice. Yeah. So. One of the other things I was thinking of is definitely pace yourself. I'm I'm only speaking from my experience. I mean, some guys maybe can can go to three, four o'clock in the morning like you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty together. of that for sure. I I find it I need to take a break every now and then. Like I, I'll be down there maybe for an hour or two and uh I gotta come upstairs and, and just watch a little TV or something or just do something else, you know, go outside and clean up something outside or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great idea. Um, sorry to interrupt, but the no, uh, that's okay. <clears throat> the whole hot glue plus skin incident that happened two thirty in the morning. Oh, so I was, you know, I was awfully tired, but I just kind of wanted to get to a certain point in the build. So yeah, but let me let you go on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've been there too, man. I mean, I can remember like, and I don't know about anybody else. I'm like I said, I'm only speaking from my experience, but. It gets to a point where if I'm trying to rush something because I know we're flying the next day, it right. becomes too much of work and it's not really fun anymore, you know? And mm-hmm. I, we all work hard enough, you know? I, I don't need to work at my fun stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's another thing, too. I mean, just like anything, when you rush it, you, you're just open to making mistakes. Yeah. So it's better to take your time and wait another week to fly something. Than to rush it and then find out that you messed something up and you're gonna have to start all over anyways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I usually try to finish one project before I start another one. I know that that's another tip. It's that's kind of difficult though because sometimes you can like a, a good example is the FT Explorer. Like I got mm-hmm. to a point where okay, now I have to order push rods. I have to order something longer, or I have to make a trip to the local hobby store. So yeah. you really got to put that on the, on to the side and you know then you can actually, you know, work on something else. So having an area where you could put like a plane that's 
partially built is probably a good idea too. You know, I have a little area I can I can put stuff and on top uh, of your freezer. I'm constantly moving. No, the freezer is off limits, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I brought it up. <laughs> I know, right? Uh uh, that's all I need. That's that's yeah. another thing I should have added to this. Keep your wife out of the basement, or yeah. out of the garage. No, but um, my racer, man. I just I got the I got the retracks in there, and I I finished taping up the wing, and now I have to put the wing in the fuselage. I'm still working on that. I don't know why I'm dragging my feet on that, but I know I have to add the tail wheel. So I guess maybe that's why. I don't know. I'll get to that. Cool. So I'm constantly moving that around. And then one of my ideas I have. I've done is is have have like like with the winter we just the the day we just had here with the winter is a perfect example you know you got you're stuck in the house you're not going anywhere it's a Saturday if you get a couple of days like that you know have a build day um, where you're building stuff and you know having a good time listening to free fall RC or whatever like our buddy Dave um, and uh, and then have like a repair day where you you know you all the stuff you've 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 beat up that you know you got to fix man you know that's where the whiteboard i think would come in handy for me because yeah. i know like i got to fix just various stuff on different planes man and i don't want i don't want to be that i don't i don't want to grab a plane like i know that i have to fix like like the beaver the twisted hobbies beaver like i don't want to grab that on the way out and then get to the field and be like oh crap that push rod came out of the servo and all i right. have to take it all apart to get to, so you know, it's it's good to have like I'm thinking, you know, have have like a build day, and then if you get another snow day or something like that, and you can have a repair day, you know, where you repair all your stuff. I think it'd be hard for me to do that though. Yeah. Because if I start building something, and especially if like I don't know, like I'm building these planes, my helicopter's crash, and I'm looking at it, and it's crash, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna finish building these planes, you know, like even if it takes me two days, I want to like kind of. Well, I'm not saying, it, you know. yeah, and well, I'm not saying uh, you have to finish, you know, have a, two build days in a row. You can just, you can mix it up a little bit. True. Yeah. You know? And then one thing I added to this list was watch the calendar because it'll be spring before you know it. Um, that I found was true, especially when I was trying to get things, um, some things ready for Neff and uh, especially, man, when. When Flight Fest was coming up, and I was planning on going out there, man. And I was like, you know, you you have to keep an eye on the calendar. I hear that a lot, like from guys that go to events, like that mm-hmm. they were up till three o'clock the morning, you know, the night before working on stuff for yeah. an event. And to me, I, I don't know, like that goes back to you burning your finger, you know, <laughs> something <laughs> something you don't want. You, you're prone to make more mistakes that way, you know, when you're rushing. No, stuff you like are. That. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even with the whiteboard, maybe you know, plan your plan your time out. Like, okay, you know, put a draw a little calendar, or or maybe like, um, you know, with like electrical tape, make a little calendar on one corner of it, and be like, all right, you know, and I know I'm gonna build some on these days, and this is kind of like my schedule. You know, kind of book yourself so that way you have some, you know, structure to your your building and repair days. You know, so yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, don't turn it into a job, but. You know, no, yeah. No. If that, if that, if you're one of those people that, um, you know, likes to do that and, and can look at that, yeah. You know, I mean, basically, that's thinking just organize it, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Don't make it a job, but organize your time so that way you're you're not like cramming in three weeks worth of three weekends worth of work in the last weekend because 
you know, Nefis here and you need to get everything done or, or whatever, you know? Right. That's what so. I'm saying. Just keep an eye mm-hmm. on the calendar. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I'm I'm bad at this, dude. I the next thing I had written down was don't rush out with your uh with your best plane or you know the, the one you're itching to fly on a huh? on a semi decent day or you know bad weather or bad you know fields wet or whatever like that. If you can wait, you know, for a nice day, I mean if it's a plane that deserves, you know, something that you're not accustomed to flying like something that you don't need any more weather related, you know, interactions you don't need any more obstacles um to interfere with you flying like wind or weather or grass or snow or yeah (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) are you talking about me just because i made in the raiden and uh, bushwhacker on a snowy day no no. made out of foam (laughs) no no i know i just i just (laughs) messed with you (laughs) no like i said i'm victim i'm i've done that myself where sure you know you're like oh, I gotta try this, I gotta try it, and then you get like a halfway decent day, and you run out there, and then you smash it all up. Like I've definitely done that. Yeah. And now I'm um, like, crap! I shouldn't have done that. I should have waited. Yep. So if you have a brand new, you know, foamy warbird that you spent a couple hundred bucks for, and you're like, ah, the winds are gusting up to twenty, twenty-five. I think I can handle it. <laughs> no. There's a break in the wind. There's a no, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, save yourself the disappointment later of a crash. Just leave it at home. That's tough to do. That's it is. Trust, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, I love my Goblin Five Seventy, but um, you know, that day I was just like, okay, I, everything is working again. I I need to fly this, and you know, I posted the video. I'm flying in straight up sideways now. You know, snowing completely sideways, and I'm I'm flying a Goblin that I'm not 100 percent sure on that it's all okay. It's, yeah, that just, just know, last like, week it was all jittery. Right? No, not even the jittery. It just went in initialize oh right right so, like, so i was like okay everything's initializing everything looks fine i checked everything on the computer so i'm 80 percent sure everything is okay you know like you know so for me to go out there and it's like okay it seems okay flip it upside down TikTok, big loop yeah i think it's fine you know you know and also making adjustments that's that's another thing that kind of um I should really shouldn't have done. I'm, I should be concentrating on, you know, making sure everything's okay before I'm like, let me turn the tail rate up and see if I can make the tail spin faster, you know? Oh, boy. I should have left that for another another flight or another day, but eh, YOLO. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so after it's been a while, if, you, if you're not simming or anything during the wintertime, um, one of my favorite things to do was to take a, profile f-22 plane that was bank and yank and when i was newer when i'd only been flying like a year or so um that was my favorite plane to take out first mm-hmm. anytime i got to the field because throw it in the air it's bank and yank and i didn't care about it that much and it just like got the cobwebs out you know a little bit yeah and it's not it's so much consequences if you crash it and wreck it or anything yeah yeah um i mean i think not only just not not only just a winner, but I mean when we, we, we were like two weeks we haven't flown and then we flew. Yeah, yeah. I, I like on my holidays and everything. I felt like, whoa, what am I doing here? Yeah, you would <laughs> you said, know, like, yeah. 
it, it took a it took a moment, it took a couple of flights, a couple of battery packs to kind of get back in the groove of things, you know, kind of get used to how how much throw you need to do, you know, for your controls and stuff when you're flying to do certain maneuvers. You kind of have to work it back in, even if it's just a couple of weeks off. Uh, yeah, nonetheless, sure. you know, three months off or whatever. So yeah, that definitely helped me out a lot doing that. Nice. The last thing I had was just take some pictures and have fun, and post them to Freefall RC podcast. <laughs> Facebook Selling page. It hard. <laughs> <Or whatever>. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, definitely. We we welcome pictures, and I want to see pictures of people's uh, of folks. You know, their planes, or designs, anything. You know, I think it's really stuff. Don't post your picture of your your finger though. Your zombie <laughs> finger. <bad>. Oh. <laughs> I want to. I want to oh, share with geez. the world, but Up, go ahead. Then. Know, I won't post it unless we get folks wanting it. So if you post on our Facebook page that you want to see my zombie finger, post it on our uh, free, you know, Facebook.com FreeFarC podcast page. And then um, if we get enough people wanting it, let's do it. I'll post it. In fact, I'm taking a picture um, daily. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I, there, I have a friend that I went to high school with, and she, was, she had something happen to her, her finger. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened. But she was doing that. She was posting daily pictures of her finger, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? I don't really need to see your de- <laughs> your seventeen day recovery of your finger." I don't know. I think um, it's interesting because it definitely two days later, it definitely looks way. It, it definitely looks different. It's not as like deep looking and like you know the the I guess the meat of the skin, <laughs> the meat of the finger without the skin on top. Like it just, yeah, you know, it's starting to look more natural now. So it's, it's. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna Google like zombie finger and I'm gonna post a picture of it and say, "Here's Steve's <laughs> finger." There you go. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. Yeah. So. So, dude. Uh, as yeah. far as heli goes, I mean, like I think I had said this once before, man. I don't really keep a heli together long enough to. Do any maintenance on it in the winter time? So uh, I don't know. You have any tips for? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, winter time. If you're not flying or building or rebuilding or fixing, I mean, it's perfect time for heli maintenance. You know. So like right now, I think I have about seventy or eighty flights on my Goblin three eighty, and you know, I'm not. You know, I think it's the perfect time to kind of tear it all down, clean the bolts, re-lock tight everything. Um, just clean up the frame and, and, you know, all the bearings and just, just in case there's any dirt or grime in there, you clean them up, re-oil them, just kind of do a whole tear down and rebuild. So that way when the springtime comes or when you're ready to fly again, it'll be, you know, perfect, ready to go. You know, just might have to kind of double check your tuning and then, and then you're off doing your pure ready flips or you know, your pure flips. <laughs> you know, or what's what's it? Uh, what other crazy moves are there? Pure running flips, or you're, uh, you're trying out all the stuff you tried on the on the sim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for two three months. Oh uh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, you're Morpheus. One, you're trying the Morpheus. Yeah, Morpheus <laughs> flips, or you know, whatever maneuver, and and you know, just make shit up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, but seriously, like it's definitely a perfect time to do maintenance. But note to same thing with the whole calendar. Watch the calendar. Set aside like you know some time that you know you're not gonna fly because I think one of the worst things, especially if you don't have a lot of helicopters in your fleet or or planes, it could, this could be applied to planes and helicopters. But if you don't have a lot of aircraft in your fleet and you're rebuilding like your your primary helicopter and 
you know, we get this freak global warming, 50 oh, degree man. weather, you know, that's going to suck that you can't fly on a day that, you know, it's really nice to fly even in the middle of winter. So definitely if you're going to do maintenance, you know, maybe like, oh, there's a snowstorm coming up. I'm going to be locked in for two, three days. Perfect time. Take the time, set aside the time and, and you know, go through your rebuild then. Um, that's a great. That, sorry. Oh, sorry, man. That's a no. great tip, though, because yeah. I didn't even think of that. You know, if you've, you've got stuff on order and. Now, seven-day outlook says it's going to be 65 on Saturday. You're going to be like, oh, crap. I mean, today was 40-something. It was Yeah, today was actually day. comfortable, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the winds weren't too bad. So, like, if I didn't have work, I could see myself as at least a helicopter, flying helicopter since, or maybe a plane with some skis, you know, or, or floats or something. But, yeah, I could see myself flying today if I didn't work. Yeah. So the other thing I want to talk about is uh, battery storage. So, you know, for us – I don't really store my batteries long term. Like, I, I try to fly even if it's cold. Like this weekend, I think it's like 37 on Saturday and 40, 45 on Sunday, um, with less than 10 mile per hour gust winds. So I'm gonna probably try to make it out to the field this weekend. So I'm not gonna recommend this for myself, but you know, if you live in like I don't know Montana or something, or like some place where you know you're not gonna fly and the winter is really harsh and and, you know, you're just not going to make it out to the field. Um, definitely keep your battery in storage charge, you know, anywhere from 3.8 to 3.85 volts. Um, and then I know some people freeze their batteries. They put them in a, you know, freezer or freezer box or, you know, something for like long-term storage. And I think, Kevin, you said you did this before, right? Yeah, I did that. Uh, I don't think I did it last year. Definitely not doing it this year. Mm-hmm. I think it was the year before. Um Okay. I had done it. I had. We might have been going away somewhere too. Like I was on vacation, and we were we were heading down Florida or something like that. Where yeah, I I, I was able to get all my batteries to a storage level, and uh-huh. then put them in a lipo safe bag and stick them in the cube freezer in the in the garage. Nice. And so did you seemed, see? Sorry. Go ahead. And that seemed to work really well. I mean, first of all, it's peace of mind. You know, hey, if they do burst into flames or in the freezer, the cube freezer. There's probably not a whole lot of oxygen that's going to, you know, uh, fuel the fire. So I, I, I don't know if they actually need a lot of oxygen being lipos. So that might not be entirely, you know, true. I'm not a chemist, so I don't know. Um, yeah. I think it's more of a chemical fire, right? Yeah. So. But I mean, in any case, you know. In any case, it's in that insulated thing. I'm sure right. my, my frozen peas will put the fire out you know (laughs) right or like the ice you know on the side of your freezer or whatever i mean i guess we're talking about a a separate freezer box not your freezer in your kitchen no yeah Um, one in the garage yeah like a cube freezer yeah i think you can put them in your freezer but i don't know if i would leave for like a month without worrying about them now you know i think they were in there for a good couple weeks easy maybe three or four weeks it could have been a month so let me ask you, was there um, any noticeable voltage drop when, when you took them out of the freezer, or say after a month or a couple of weeks, whatever it was? No, I didn't see anything. that I didn't notice it at all. Nice. Yeah, it seemed to work really well. And those are batteries that I'm still running today. They're, those are my 2200 3S batteries that I nice. bought. Like, I've, I have to have those for at least four years. Wow. I, w- I was flying my 450 helis with those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really funny to to hear that you've had 2200 3S packs since 
say two three years yeah at least man i mean i'd have to think about it and i'll go back through because i know where i was when i started i know like what jobs i was working um Mm -hmm. where i was um man if i went back and it it's they've got to be at least four years old and some of them are some of them are, are just blue lipos from uh, nitro planes, I think, and some of them are Gen Ace. But I have two Gen Ace batteries. Are you talking uh, about the Sky lipos? Yeah, I have two Sky. I have a couple Sky lipos and some mm-hmm. Gen Ace batteries that are the Gen Ace aren't even puffy, man. I still use those in. The, they're like the um, they're my go-to battery for all the FT stuff, like the Mustangs, Spitfire. Right. Nice. Um, all that now, kind of stuff. How are you with your battery maintenance? Do you st- like you know after you're done flying? If you don't use the pack, do you bring them down to a storage charge or anything like that? No, I haven't done that in a long time. No. Wow. Huh. Maybe I'm just having. Maybe those batteries were different back in four years ago. Maybe they're just better, better like made or better chemistry. Because, I mean, most of my Zippy packs or Turning G Blues um, that I probably bought a year, maybe two years. I mean, I, you know, you, I have a box of just packs where I have NG written on them. They're just no good. They don't yeah. hold the voltage. They don't hold the milliamps anymore. They drain too quick. I could have a battery that, like, you know, like my, I, I pretty much sw- are switching to pulse batteries now. And the pulse batteries, you know, I've had a pulse battery and a Zippy compact that I bought at the same time. Um, I have half the cycles on the Zippy pack and it, it's now no good. While the pulse batteries, you know, aren't showing any signs of fatigue, you know, and I have twice the flight counts on them. So I don't know if. Um, now, are I, you I'm, talking about helicopter batteries, though, specifically? Um, No, because I, they're just the 3S2200s. I use them. I used to use them in the Blade 450X. Um, I, 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 use, I still use them in the Blade 360 when that's flying, but I've kind of switched over to 4S now, so I don't really use the 3S packs for those anymore. Okay. Um, so like they're mainly just for the flight test planes, right? So, oh, okay. And yeah, like they don't last anymore. And, and I, I'm terrible with battery maintenance. I, I leave them charged all week, you know? And then I'm like, I check them and like, oh, 99%. Okay. I'm going to fly with them, you know, yeah, I think, later. I think leaving them charged for a couple of weeks isn't going to be doing too much damage to them. I know that yeah. when I usually get back. I don't drain them down as much as I used to. Like I used to drain them down to like, uh, like in the teens. And I think nowadays, um, I'll drain them down to like thirty percent, maybe twenty, thirty percent, It's somewhere okay. around there. So I guess that's more closer to the mid range. You know, yeah, thirty percent. I think it's like three point. I think I think thirty percent is like three point eight. Yeah, three point so seven nine. It's like right there. You go by the cell voltage. I just go by the percentage, like a lot. Oh, uh, that's. That's not good. <laughs> oh, it's not? No, because that's an estimate. Oh, I see. Right? It's like a fuel gauge. It's really an estimate of what you have but or what you use. But really, your cell voltage and the milliamps you put back in the battery is what's important. Yeah, I usually watch the milliamps when, when I'm charging it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do for the most part, you know, like especially my more expensive packs because I kind of want to make sure like those packs, I, I actually, when I come home, I'll drain them. I'll upset my charger on discharge to 3.85 or 3.8 and you know i'd like one or two c just let them discharge as i you know build something or work on something now i have to tell you though i i have that um uh the blade nano fpv yeah nano qx fpv yep i bought four batteries for that that are they're one cell but they're 45 c 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I left them charged or discharged, probably discharged. Um, went back like a month later to fly it around up and down the street. And uh, I think I only had one battery that actually kept the charge after that. And I don't know if I probably did something wrong. but uh, I mean, we're all probably guilty of those batteries because um, you don't really – they're one cell. There's no balancing. So what do you do after a flight? You know, you do a flight, it starts blinking red and blue, like, oh, no, battery low, low voltage cut. So what do you do? You take the battery out, you set it aside, you put another one in, and then you continue flying. Right. That low voltage cut's got to be at 3.7 or under. Yeah. So that means you fully, almost fully drain the battery, and we never, and you never put it back to storage. So then they sit like that for a month, two months, and, and that voltage consistently keeps on dropping little by little by little. So when you actually plug it into charge, it might be at 3.5. It might be at 3.6 where, you know, you're damaging the, the lipo cell at that point. So I'm sure mine are all toast too. I just – I don't fly it enough consistently to, you know, no. cycle batteries enough. I have a little bin and so I have like probably eight of those batteries in a little bin. They're probably no good at all. Yeah. Yeah, mine too. I got some I, Hobby King ones as well. Mm-hmm. The, I think they make nanotechs, right? I know Nanotech makes that small little one stick, one S uh, little batteries. Yeah, I got them for, I got them for the uh, the regular, you know, the non FPV version, and they right. were fine. Now those are twenty five C, and those were fine. Um, the forty five C definitely was was better for the FPV version. Right. Yeah, you need that little more kick. And I even got one of those little four charger things. I don't even know it, the red thing. I don't even know who makes it. Sound like a complete idiot. I got that red <laughs> thing, you know, that you plug four batteries in. Yeah, you plug this thing in, plugs into the wall. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's a it's a high tech charger. That's what it is. The high tech yeah. like charge. That's a really good charger. Except, um, I don't know. It's a really good charger. <laughs> oh, you're gonna say Leave something? Except? Well, except I don't know if it's my own incompetence. Um, when I plug a battery in, you can set the charging area. Like, so if they're 45C. You, I could charge those up to one amp. Like I could charge f- four of them at one amp a piece, but I don't think you would wait, wait, do wait, that wait. with anything that small. For wait, forty-five C or you mean four hundred fifty milliamps? Well, what's what's a battery milliamp size? Well, oh, that's right. Wait a minute. Let me think about this. <laughs> um, no, I think I can go up to one amp a. Ch- Aren't those like one hundred fifty? But milliamps? they're one hundred fifty milliamps. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to charge them at no, one amp. It's, that's I, like 8C or 9C. No, 8C charging. Or yeah, 6C man. or 7.5, whatever it is. It but has a little dial on it. And I know I went up to... I know I could do... Oh man, now, now I'm curious. I hope you're not charging at 1C. No, Maybe no. I was I was charging at 30. Like at the 30... The 30 um, so I was charging at 2C. Okay, so 0.3 amps. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I, I'm surprised you didn't have a fire if you're charging one of those little batteries, you know, at 6C or 7C. Well, see, <laughs> it's, got, it's got different hookups for different batteries. But, yeah, it's it can charge one amp per per channel. And it has four channels on it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, maybe for those are barrel um not parallel but the you know the balancing charging where you just plug in a balancing port 
maybe that's to do like uh, 800 or maybe a uh, 1000 milliamp you know one of the small little 2s batteries or something yeah or something like your transmitter or something not that big but yeah i don't know wow <laughs> you yeah should definitely take a it's, look and, it's and adjustable see. from I'm, I'm on the i'm on horizon right now it's adjustable from okay. 0.1 uh to one amp wow i <laughs> thought it was one amp but i know i never went up past uh past 30 i think once i tried doing like 3s charging on right. them just to see if it, you know would burst into flames <laughs> uh so the, the other tips that i have um well i mean this is kind of going on with like your tip about inventory your supplies you know you said you had a bin of servos that you haven't tested one of the things i love to do with um those cheap servos primarily is the servo lead um, if I bust a servo gear, like the little, you know, $3 Eternity, um, or yeah, it's Hextronic, um, nine gram blue servos, the yeah. plastic gears. If I, you know, bust that servo up, there's no point keeping that servo. There's no point buying gears for it or anything. It's just, it's so cheap. It's not worth it, but I cut the leads off. So that way with my crimping tool or, you know, with the, um, make your own servo leads, I could make extensions from those cables. Oh, that's a good idea. I've been cutting them off, but I don't have a tool to make anything, like put ends on anything. So, Yeah, I mean, even if you just use pliers, it's a, it takes a little finesse to kind of curl those uh, <clears throat> the little connectors, the little JST connectors kind of on the little pinouts. Or, you know, you would use the uh, the male one that would, like, go through a thing and then you would um, hook it up to a, a coupler so you could go, uh, you know, use it as a servo extension. But, um there's many times where I'm like, oh, I don't have a servo extension, but I have, and I don't have wire, but I have these leads that, are, that you know, these servos that are no good. I cut it off, and I have a nice six-inch extension now. Nice. So you just end up making your own. So, um, I know, you know, I know, I know, I've made up male-to-male um, extensions sure, exactly. for for your multi rotors. Yep. So when you want to go from your receiver to your flight controller, you need right. to, you know, do single leads like that. Um, you know, individual channel leads and. You know, you have all these busted up servos. You're not using them for anything. So it's a perfect way of recycling or upcycling the, the servo leads. Um, I know there's a I, I know there's a flight test article about this. And I, I've every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, I want to go do it. But there's an article where you can take a broken servo like that has broken gears. And you can take the, the board out of it and make it into a, a switch. Oh, so, really? Yeah, you can make it into a switch that will control like... Um, LEDs or whatever, like just, you know, it's like an on and off switch that you get assigned to a channel on your radio. Oh, no kidding. So that's another thing you can upcycle is take the board out with the servo lead and then, you know, just look up the article. Maybe I'll try to look for it and link it in the show notes. But, um, you know, there's an article I know that you can take a servo, broken servo, and make it into a, a remote control switch, which would be awesome for like, you know, LEDs or maybe like a... I don't know, retracts or something. I don't know, just something. So bomb drop, a bomb drop. Yeah, you know, have have your uh, have it on like for uh, what is that thing called? Canopy ejection. <laughs> Canopy ejection or or tow glider type of. Oh lead. yeah, glider tow. Yeah. Actually, but that that. But that, that would that, use a servo. Yeah, you would just end up using a servo, so scratch that. But um, but yeah, that's a cool thing where you could actually hook it up as like a a relay switch or something. You know. Turn yeah, I mean that would something. save you at least ten bucks. Getting one of those switches or whatever they are from, they, I think yeah. they're under ten bucks. Yeah, but still, like it's just wait. nice to yeah. not waste. Like you know, you spend three dollars on a servo, but 
in reality, once the server goes bad, you could get an extension out of it, which is maybe 50 cents. You know, if you buy it at a real hobby shop, that's like a dollar. Yeah. Right? So right there, it saves you, you know, you basically just save the dollar, you know. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for extensions. I'm always like... I'm putting this wing together, you know, and it's the servos are already at the ends. And I'm like, how am I going to run this, you know, these leads into the center of the wing so I could have it come out the, the little access hole. So I'm like, oh, I'll just make them. I have the ends. I bought the ends from Hobby King for dirt cheap, you know, and then I'll just make my own. Yeah. So it's a good way to upcycle that stuff. Um, I'll tell you, yeah, dude, real quick, man, I freaking was on. I like altitude. I don't know where they're based. I think they're based in the middle of the Midwest country somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, and I was just—I had just was looking for servo extensions. I bought some sixes. I bought some twelves. And right now, dude, he's got—he must have uh, just too many of them, or for some reason, he's getting rid of them. But he has twenty-four inch servo extension, um, the JR style, the regular style we use, mm-hmm. um, for twenty-nine cents a piece. He's got a markdown eighty-five percent off. Wow. Yeah. So. so- there were- I didn't wow, eat them, okay. but I bought them. I bought a couple of them. Why not? I mean, I get like yeah. six of them. It's going to cost you a dollar. You know, regular they're like almost two dollars. So now, do you know what gauge wire is? Twenty six gauge. It's your regular okay. servo extension. Okay, so it's not the really really thin stuff, right? No. Okay, good. No, it's your basic servo lead. Because I remember um, I bought from Hobby King a couple of twelve inch ones, and uh, and when I got them, I'm like, oh man, these wires are really really thin i I didn't look at the gauge it's kind of like went for you know 12 inch extensions okay add to cart you know didn't really look into it um but they're really really i mean they work fine but you know it kind of gets me worried for certain you know applications that like you know i might get voltage drop or you know it just doesn't have enough i might burn up the wire right you're pushing too much current through a really thin wire yeah if you have it on one of your helicopters dude oh no i wouldn't use that on any where you're running like what are you running on those those servos now? Eighteen volts a servo or something? <laughs> no, eight volts. Eight volts. <laughs> oh, eight volts. Yeah, eight volts. So, but I mean, even then, eight volts on a really thin wire is scary. Like, you yeah, know, all my true. helicopters, I run the thickest gauge extensions I have. I don't, you know, use the really thin stuff. That I just reserve that for planes, just because. No, I've I've used this for what a couple of years now. I, I get a, I get a lot of stuff from him, like I said, and. Uh, mm-hmm. I say him. I don't know if it's a guy out of his garage. I don't know what it is, but uh, the shipping is usually five bucks because it's like uh, USPS, you know, the, the one size fits all box and yeah, the flat rate, yeah, the flat rate box. And he, I mm-hmm. get it it's like three days. It's at my door, so I love that, man. Yeah, priority. I mean, I know a lot of people knock on USPS, but I mean, the priority mail stuff. I mean, that's when I sell stuff on eBay or whatever. You know, all my used stuff. I I just I do you know free shipping and I just price the item right selling yeah. to include the sh- the six dollars or five dollars for the shipping or whatever it is because uh, I love that you just put it in a box print out your label and just ship it and it, it's guaranteed to get there. I mean they say two to five days but it's always within three days. Yeah, you know so that's great. Like I you know you don't have to worry about the weight. You know it's all standardized. Uh, package size so it works works real well i mean you could ship out you i think it's like the large boxes are like probably about i think 12 or 15 bucks a ship but right. like the they have the large gamer like board game boxes and yeah you, you just, had said that when kevin was on yeah you could fit 
tons of stuff in there and the weight doesn't matter and you can ship it off for 15 bucks it's great so yeah i do like that stuff i, I actually prefer usps um shipping and receiving wise than fedex or ups i know i'll probably get a lot of what <laughs> really what but uh yeah <laughs> No, seriously, I don't know. I I, I know they're See, tracking I, the worst, though. I think that I mean. depends on your mailman because for the longest time we had, uh, I'm in, you know, the situation I'm in up here where I live, mm-hmm. and so all our mailboxes are down by the street. And for I, since I moved here, the guy that was delivering our mail always, you know, if something came for me in the mail that he didn't was too big to fit in the mailbox, I got a little pink, like. Oh, a card that yeah, said yeah. you have to come we by and pick you. it up. So I have to come by on Saturday and pick it up. Uh, well, he left like two years ago now, I think it is. And the guy that took his place actually drives up the hill to our house, finds it, found my house, knows I get a lot of stuff because I'm getting stuff from like weekly <laughs> sure. almost. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's the coolest guy. And he'll actually get out and put it by my garage if it's raining out. Um, yeah, he's really cool. I've never had to go down there and pick anything up, which is, which is cool. Yeah. So I think it depends on your mail guy. Yeah, it definitely does. And I I guess also on your location, right? Because I live in an apartment building with a locked, um, lobby. So the mail, um, the mailman has access to the lobby because he, you know, that's like one of those like apartment buildings where you have the big mailboxes that he opens up the whole thing and slots all the mail in. So he'll leave all the packages there. Um, I do also, I do, you know, want to note I hate when I buy something. Well, let me not use hate. It's a pretty strong word. I very much dislike when I buy something off of Facebook, off of forums. <clears throat> and, you know, it's, it's kind of an expensive thing. Um, say, for instance, my uh, DX9. I bought that used. It was $300 used, which is a pretty decent price, which, I, you know, what I bought it like earlier. No, when did I buy it? In the summertime of 2015, or a little bit springtime in 2015. Yeah. Um, you were flying with that all summer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you know, like the seller, you know, was like, "Oh, I, I did a signature required just because you know it's kind of expensive. Yeah, expensive. Yep. Want to make sure that you get it." And, and I totally understand that, but him not knowing my situation where it gets delivered into a locked lobby with there's like four cameras in my lobby like you know if someone else takes it i'm going to know you know the the, the super is going to know we will be able to look it up but um you know like well that it's covers okay to leave it there that covers him as well though true like i've had stuff that i've sold where i've had a couple like i don't know a couple dozen of them or oh partners, i see what you mean and i've had yeah. a guy tell me you know I never got it. There's no way for me to prove it now whether he got it or not. So I, I remember doing Yeah, but I mean, everything, kind of, not signature required, but everything these days when you, especially your USPS is delivery confirmation, right? That's kind of included with like your flat rate postage and stuff like that. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be USPS's responsibility at that point if they scan saying delivered? But then the person to get in. So wouldn't that person have to, or, or yourself, but have to call, contact USPS and let them deal with the insurance claim, basically? Um, well, luckily, I've never had to deal with that. And <laughs> unlucky for the rest of the country um, and everybody else, uh, it is a government-run business. So uh, I, Okay, I, I see where you're I going with this. I don't know how that would work. Like, I would say good luck. So sure. I don't know. No, I, I, mean, I, I don't yeah. know how that would work, dude. So yeah, I know that yeah, for me, it was easier to be like, just signature required or whatever confirmation 
It was only like another dollar when I shipped it. Mm-hmm. So well, you know what ends up happening for me? Is I take that we lo- we missed you slip, and I just sign my name and say leave it. Yeah, yeah, right. Which you know, yeah. Which technically anyone could sign my name because my name is just I just scribble anyways. <laughs> oh, so that's Steve at thirteen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No. I have no idea what your address is. Good. <laughs> but um all right. Uh let's see here. Let's move on. I do have one more last tip. Um if you're stuck indoors and you're dying to fly, go on the sim. I know for most folks, especially I don't know, maybe it's something where as you get older you just can't deal with the the lack of um depth perception and and just the way it is like I, I it drives me nuts to sim um but i i force myself to sim if like i want to fly let me just go on a sim you know and plan your sim time out don't just be like okay i'm gonna go on a sim and fly a plane and whack the sticks around or fly a helicopter and and whack the stick up and down up and down up and down and try to do tiktoks like you know great I guess you're playing a video game at that point. You're not simming. Right. If you want to sim, it's good to have a some sort of a little regimen on how you approach the sim. Uh, first thing right off the bat, pick something you want to learn or you want to work on, whether it's a, a new move or maybe it's just hovering a helicopter nose in. You know, wherever you're at, whatever you want to learn, take 10 to 15 minutes at least and just work on that. Yeah, 15 minutes is like three batteries, so yeah, definitely don't, do that. Don't get sidetracked by like – or frustrated like, I can't get this, you know, pirouetting flip down. I'm just going to go now, fly, and do speed runs. Like, no. Even if you crash, reset, work on it. Reset. Set a timer on your phone. Um, maybe put on a couple of songs that you know will equal about a 15-minute, you know, time frame. Work on that move. And then if you want – Take as long as you want after that to just, you know, bang the sticks around, you know, work, just work on a routine, maybe, you know, try to combine some of the moves that you do know and work on them or maybe work on like, just, just mess around, have fun at that point. But if you, every time you sim, if you take 10, 15 minutes and work on something, I guarantee eventually you'll get that move down and you'll get that muscle memorization down to point where you'll be ready to do it in real life. Yeah, that's a good tip because a lot of people treat the sim as a video game, you know, right. a glorified video game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, it's called a simulator for a reason. You know, they they the developers of these uh, sims they take you know a long time developing and honing the the feel of the of the sim of the airplane or aircraft or you know the helicopter to feel as real as possible. You know, so like, yeah, it's you know, it could be looked at as a game, but if you're trying to advance in your your skills, treat it like a tool. Treat it like something you're serious about, at least for 15 minutes, and then and then go, you know, and then crash into the building. Yeah, you know, then like switch to a plane or a helicopter, whichever is not your strong point or whatever, and just kind of mess around and and do whatever. But you know, if you work on a move, 15 minutes a day for say five days a week, you'll You'll get that move down quicker than you realize. So one thing the sim helped me out early on with was when I was when I rolled the plane over, I mm-hmm. never moved the ele- elevator at all when I first started to do like rolls. So I know guys would talk about I'd listen, I'd watch the videos, and they would say, you know, I have to give some 
some elevator input to correct when I'm inverted. And mm-hmm. I had never done that. Find an actual model. Um, right. So I remember on the sim rolling a plane and going, oh, I wonder what happens as I roll if I give it opposite elevator. Because you're always pulling back to pull up. You know, you're mm-hmm. always like, I got to pull up. I got to pull out of it, you know? Yeah. So I, I never thought to give it down elevator as you're upside down. The first mm-hmm. time I did it on the sim and the plane kind of stayed level, you know, I mean, I wasn't good at it at all. I, it clicked. I was like, okay, now I understand, you know, how guys do, you know, four point rolls or whatever. I mean, obviously, I'm, I still can't do that now, but obviously you're, you're actually given rudder input and then you're given elevator. So if you look at my very first, I think it was when I made in the Spitfire. I, I know I have a YouTube video and I'm chatty as I'm chatty Kathy on that thing, dude. <laughs> I just do not shut up. But I was, um, number one, I was amazed at the Spitfire and how great a plane that was. But yeah. I did try to do a roll. And if you watch that video, it goes inverted. And as I'm inverted, you can almost see the wheels in my head going, you better give it elevator. And I kind of did it for a split second. And I, ro- I rolled out of it instead of, you know, your immediate reaction when you're a new pilot is to, to pull down on the elevator so the plane goes up, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. But when you're inverted, you're actually pulling down into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it's muscle memory. So, I mean, that's your muscle memory at that point is to yeah. pull down. So in that video, we should link it. Um, you can actually see, if you can withstand me chatting up a storm, um, <laughs> <laughs> you can see me in uh, my helmet cam and uh, my first Maiden of the Spitfire where I did that. that. So, I mean, and it's been beneficial ever since, dude, especially with the helicopter stuff, man. Yeah, like I'm getting the point now where I'm um I'm hovering. I actually, you'd be proud of me, dude. I was actually inverted and I was actually flying forward flight inverted a little bit, just a little bit. And I said, all right, this is actually clicking. Like I was giving it rudder on the sim. Yeah, or? I was giving nice. it rudder and I was actually turning. I was actually getting it to to fly in a in a in an inverted but a forward flight inverted. Mm-hmm. Where I was giving it rudder and everything and. It clicked for me for a minute, and then I lost it, and then I couldn't couldn't figure out what I was doing again. But uh, no, it, I mean, worked out. it was great though, man. I was like, look at this, I'm actually doing it. I mean, you're good at flying inverted with a plane, so it's basically the same thing. Your your sticks go in together or go out together. You know, you're you're banking a helicopter and giving your opposite rudder when you're inverted. So um, that's one thing I've been working on a lot is is inverted flying with a plane just because I want to get used to that and, and you know when we say muscle memorization it's not just muscle memorization it's it's really mental like it's really to be so comfortable with the opposite controls you know your orientations and stuff like that that when you're inverted you know you you got to give right rudder left aileron or left uh, rudder and right aileron like your sticks if you actually look at your physical gimbals you, you're kind of going apart or coming close to to do coordinated turns. And that same thing in the helicopter when you're inverted doing forward flight, it's the same thing. Right. You're, you, you know, so um, so I've actually been working more on a plane, and you, you see this in, in real life, like when I was flying the, uh, the uh, Mini Guinea, you know, I was just doing circuits inverted, just yeah, you were. One after another, just keep on flying inverted, keep on because I'm trying to get that uh, sense of orienta- inverted orientation down so I could apply it to my helicopter flying, um, you know, and I know if I crash this plane, I'm not going to be crying over, 
not not that I cry when I crash, but you know, no, I'm not gonna be like mean. sulking like, oh man, now I gotta spend money on this and get this fixed. Like I have foam board, you know. <laughs> I'll right. just build another one, no biggie. So um Yeah, I did so notice that you, you were know, doing that. You were flying around inverted a lot more and I was like, this guy's telling me he's not a, a plane pilot. He doesn't like planes, and here he is, look at him go. Yeah. That's what I was that's... I was thinking to myself as you were you were doing yeah, that. Yeah, so I have it in my head that like, okay, you know, I, I'm I'm awfully scared to turn the rudder when I'm flying a helicopter inverted. Yeah. Because I don't have my inverted orientations down pack yet. So as soon as that rudder starts to spin around, I don't know which way to um, move the cyclic in. <clears throat> you know, I don't fly too high. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm I'm like one mistake. No, I'm not even one mistake high. I'm not even going to fool myself. I, I'm basically anywhere from 10 to 15 feet off the ground. Um, when I'm doing like the lower inverted hovers, just kind of like if I'm not cutting the grass, like I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, kind of eye level so I can see the disc and see if it's flat and which way it's turning. So it scares me to turn the, the, uh, the tail around because the tail is first of all opposite. The yeah. rudder's opposite. So it freaks me out because I try to correct left when I should be correcting right. So one of the things I've been working on is, is just focus on the plane. Get that muscle memorization and the, the mindset to know in my head that, okay, I'm inverted. I'm flying upside down. This is going to go – the sticks are always going to go towards or away from each other as far as the rudder and aileron or, you know, in helicopter terms, cyclic. Um, so, yeah. So, that, I mean, that's kind of my practice. But I, I've been practicing that on a sim too, you know. So, the thing about – I know how you were mentioning with the plane, how you, you go inverted in a sim and you got to give a little – I guess you call it down elevator or up elevator. Well, yeah, down on the elevator, the physical elevator. So, yeah, down elevator. Um, I find on the sim, it, the, the plane is so, like, perfect, I want to say. Yeah. That I could, I don't have to give any elevator. Yeah. So I wonder how that works out. Like, I mean, I guess it's good because I think once you start getting the coordinated um, elevator aileron when you're doing your rolls, That'll lead into you doing more advanced moves where you're actually doing in the helicopter world. It's called a stir. If you ever watch 3D pilots, they do this crazy like they whip it around and they like basically in one spot kind of whip the the plane around and come back inverted. They do that by doing a stir on their sticks. So it's a combination of elevator aileron and your rudder and your throttle management. So um, I think it helps with that stuff. Yeah, and I think not having any outside influence definitely helps you um, in getting your your moves correct. Yeah. And then you go out and try it in the real world. I mean, like you said, after all, it's a simulator. Um, mm-hmm. But then you go out and try it with the wind and with planes that are a little bit off or, you know, require yeah. more down elevator than, than you were doing on the sim. For sure. I wouldn't, definitely. I wouldn't look at a sim like, Okay, here's a P fifty one on the sim and a gasser, and I I've flown that a few times. I got landing down with that. I, I'll go out and buy one. You know, I definitely wouldn't do that because it's gonna be it's gonna be different. It's gonna be a lot. You know, you're gonna need to do coordinated turns and stuff like that. But oh yeah, it's gonna definitely. be different though. I mm-hmm. mean, you're not think of this think of the simulator as digital and the the real world as analog. Basically, that's yeah. That, that's usually what I do. Yeah, I mean, it sort of translates over, but you need to tweak it. And you need to, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe your controller is a little bit different. Like, if you use the real flight controller, the interlink controller, it might be different than your actual transmitter and the wave field. So, 
you definitely want to, especially when you're trying for the first time in real life, take it, take a couple mistakes high, take it a little bit simpler. Like, you know, don't bang on a stick as hard as you would on a simulator. Just, you know, kind of get a feel for the plane. Because every plane is going to fly different no matter how good you are at tuning the sim. Yeah, I think at one point I was able to hover the P-51 on the simulator. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm definitely not doing this in real life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, I mean, you know, do, do you have any sims that you prefer? Let's just talk about the different aspects of simulator. I have the only simulator I have is the one I prefer. And then that's the only one I've ever had is... Uh, real flight. I've um, I'm up to six point five. I think I got now. Okay. Speaking of eBay, dude, I got this on eBay used. Is this with the controller? Yeah, with the controller, the interlink nice. controller. And there was a little confusion. Like the, I think I had to email them because I had bought it, and I know oh, that the registration. Yeah, I never registered it. And then when you and I and and Jeff got together, we were um, simming one night or wanted mm-hmm. to get together to sim together, and uh, so I had to go through the the unregistering of the guy who sold it to me. I just had to contact real flight and they were really cool about it. They were like, yeah, no problem. Nice. They were able to take care of it. And I think the next day I was, I was, I was good with it. Yeah. I mean, you should see, um, if you could upgrade to 7.5, maybe it'd be like a $20 upgrade. Yeah, I should, I should see what, if I can do that. Um, Cause that's what you're at 7.5, right? Yeah. I had 6.5 obviously when I, you know, we're sitting with you guys, but, um, I broke my interlink or whatever that toy controller. I call it a toy controller. <laughs> you know, yeah. The the one that it comes with, right? Um, back then, they didn't have a way of hooking up like uh, a different like a different transmitter. You, I think you could use the interlink as like a trainer and hook up on the back of that into like a Spectrum or Futaba. But um, I could never get that working. It never worked for me. So... Um, when I needed to get a new sim because, you know, I didn't have a controller that worked for this and I didn't want to, you know, look on eBay and I'm spending, you know, $40, 50 60 100 I don't know, some some money to buy another used controller. I figured, okay, you know, 7.5 just came out and now they let you use the um, Interlink interface. What is the that? The interface, so basically it's a USB dongle that goes from USB to that single TRS uh eighth-inch plug okay. that goes on the back of Spectrum, the trainer. So I just plug it directly into my thing. It has a reset button, and then I plug it into my computer, boot up the program, start up real fly, and then the first thing I do is I just reset on the interlink because if you try to reset using the space bar on the controller, or I mean on your keyboard, it'll say, uh, we need to verify that you have proper interlink um, you know, adapter. So you have to do the reset on the first time on the controller. So I just reset it right off the bat when I first started. So then I could always just tap the spacebar to reset the uh, the model when I crash. Oh, so you're using your actual you're using your DX9 then? Yes. To, on the correct on the sim. Well, that's yeah. freaking cool, man. So so because of that, I have my gimbal feel like I you know like right. You know, I adjusted my gimbals or I I put them pretty tight because I want to have that little bit of separation when I'm doing the TikToks and not get like off the median line. So, so like, you know, I, I like the way my gimbals feel, you know, I have it set to my preference. So I want to feel the same on the sim. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know if you, you could upgrade the software probably for a couple bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, something like that. But, um, I don't know, you know, I think I bought the sim with the adapter for like a hundred or 115. 
I don't know. If you're looking to upgrade, it might be worth to uh, upgrade so you could use it with your DX9 too. Yeah. That'd be cool. I'd have to see what the what it all would come out to be. I mean, it's yeah. worth it. It's definitely worth it. Now, one thing I, I am disappointed at, I'll say, is that I have Real Flight 6.5 on my laptop. I have Real Flight 7.5. They're both registered to me. I pay for them. I bought them outright. I should be able to load up 6.5 using that interface, the USB interface. So that way I can still sim with you guys. And I can't, which is, you know, in my opinion, I guess they didn't, they're not making it backwards compatible or whatever, but. Um, Could you use it, the regular, the, the toy one? Yeah, if I had it. Oh. It oh, broke. that's right. It, it broke. It wouldn't, right. it wouldn't even recognize. That's why I just ended up throwing it away. Like, it wouldn't recognize. And, you know, probably best practice would be not to throw it away and see if, you know, Great yeah. Plains can repair it or, you know, warranty it or something. But I just got frustrated. Um, so I just said, whatever. It was the weirdest problem. The, what broke on it was that I, I loaded it up on this, uh, you know, I plug it in, load up the simulator, and then all of a sudden my rudder would just go all the way to one side. And it would stay there. I couldn't trim it back. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so something shorted, I think. I don't know. So, anyways, I'm happy with Real Flight 7.5. Um, and I, I don't know. I know there's a lot of different sims. You got your Phoenix sims, which is um, Horizon Hobbies version of it. Um, just to kind of give background, some more detail. Real Flight, which is Great Plains, which is basically um, Hobbico, which their flagship store is Tower Hobbies. So if you know Tower Hobbies, um, you'll notice that there's a connection between uh, Great Plains, Futaba, um, and a couple other brands that all follow under Habico's, uh umbrella. Now, you, And then on the other side, the other major competitor for Habico, Futaba, would be Spectrum, which is Horizon Hobby. Which oh, okay. is E-Flight, Park Zone, Blade Helicopters, um, and Spectrum Radios. So, so those are the two, like I guess, major U.S. companies, I would say, or distributors, conglomerates that own other little companies and stuff. Um, that are you know all in this in this hobby. Um, so you have your major competitors, Phoenix Sim, that's Horizon, and then you also have your Real Flight. And there's a couple of other little ones that are um, making waves right now. Like um, there's X Heli, a couple of Heli ones. There's a multi rotor one. What's what's that? Uh, free Ride or Free Free Runner? I think it's called Free Runner or Free Ride. Yeah, it's like five bucks. It's supposed to be an amazing racing uh, simulator. Um, one thing good about Real Flight 7 I want to mention to you is that they have a tricopter in there. They have um, oh, really? they have quads, racing quads, uh, more of the 450-500 size. But I think I think there's 250 size models now too. They even have a FPV race course. Oh, that's that you cool. Can fly around in. So there's a lot of cool little features to 7.5 compared to 6.5. I know the only way I was able to do that was to load up the. Uh... I forget. I think it's a Horizon Hobby one. Um, the little quad, um, the Gowie X or something, and then go in. You had to go into yeah. one. You had to go in the computer generated like three D environment type um, scene, and uh, and then change the camera to like view from nose or something like that. Yeah, like the FPV view, right? That from was the, the only way I was able to. Uh, yeah, so fly mm-hmm. around like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've heard that the Free Rider one doesn't have. Uh, it doesn't support like uh, multiplayer though. Like it's just the one that was the one yeah, gripe that I've heard about. I think about it's it. just single player. But they can but always I mean, 
you know, upgrade that. They could always add on to yeah. that. But I mean, I I think they don't have the infrastructure. They don't have like the server environment. Like, you oh, know. true. Or I, I guess they could do it like real flight because I think real flight, you real flight, you host host it, right? your own server yeah. server. But um, but you use like kind of like their server. They do have a server because you, they got to be able to find a listing of all the all the clients, right? Or all the servers online. I guess you could say. I don't know. I'm not sure how they do that, but um. You know, I, I kind of do like Real Flight for the multiplayer stuff. I like that you can watch someone else's view. So if if you're like, oh, dude, I just figured out this cool move. Oh, right. I can switch yeah. to your camera view. So like if, you know, I'm looking at your screen and I can see you do, you know, your point of view. So wherever you're looking at line of sight, your plane is or your helicopters, I can see that. Which is pretty cool. Um, I think that's a record function, too, that you could do recording and playback, which is, I think, good, too. Yeah, I never, really, I never really tried it, but I don't have anything good to record. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's what the Sims for, not recording um, my crashing. Yeah, uh, but one thing I realized in Real Flight is, um, and, and and I'm sure this this goes across for any Sim is try to make your whatever model you're picking. Like I'm picking a Gowie X7 to you know 700 size heli, even though I don't really you know don't I fly goblins and and blade and oxys. I don't fly guy, but I I try to make that model feel as close as possible to my real models. So as far as pitch, cyclic, um, head speeds, like try to match those up so that way it feels closer to your real model. So it's not such a difference when you try a new move in real life. Sorry, you were gonna say something? Yeah, I, that's something I haven't done yet with the with those. Uh, I don't know whether I had just haven't gone through the the menus or. I don't know how to customize those. Um, I mean, if you just go to aircraft and then do quick edit, it gives you this little or edit. I think it's either edit or quick edit. There's like a little window. And it's like, I mean, I do it for the helicopters. More yeah, I think it. now that I know more about it, and then this, mm-hmm. this this works hand in hand with going through the icon programming and everything like that. Now that yeah. I know what, like, um, just so much more about the programming of the heli and flying the helis. Um, yeah, I think I should go back in and check that out. And mess with yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you're you're new to helis. I mean, you've been flying a 450 T Rex uh, for a little bit, but I mean, when it came down to like um, setting a fly bar, students, you're you're you know relatively new at it. So I know for you, it's like, how much pitch do I dial in? Yeah, you know, you don't know. You know, you you can hear people, you know, on RCHN or other podcasts or forums be like, I run 14 and a half degree pitch with 2200 head speed. But like, what? Like, what is 14 and a half compared to 12 or 11? Like, I don't, what is that number, right? So that's one thing that I'm glad that you're starting to learn because you're setting up the icon by yourself. And, you know, you might still have questions, but you know, kind of know the ballpark. Hey, I want to do 12, 12 and a half. Yeah. Know? Yep. What do you what do you do for your cyclic? Quiz time. What do I do for my cyclic? What do you mean? Yeah. What, what do you? How many degrees do you set for your cyclic? As pitch? No, cyclic. How many degrees do I set on my cyclic? Cyclic and pitch. They're two different things. Right. Pitch is the pitch of the blades. Cyclic is. What do you mean? The. Um, I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah, cyclic. When you, when you move your. Like what percentage I set it at? You're cyclic. How many degrees of cyclic? Yeah, uh, cyclic. Oh, dude, I, I'm not even sure. <laughs> now, now I'm in, now I'm gonna have to look at the setup now. So, 
on the icon, default cyclic is, I think, around 10 to 11 degrees. 10 oh. degrees is kind of where you want to be, I think. 10, I mean, or it depends. depends oh, see, I see if it's default that I probably didn't, if I didn't have to input it. No, but, I mean, it's default as far as, you know, in the icon when you do the basic menu setup? Um, it tells you on the left side, kind of like, you know, 12-degree pitches or 30-degree or pitches, your average, you know, you should set your cyclic to this amount, too. Even when you, um, back in the Beast X days, right, your AR7200 Beast X, um, when you had your 450X, if you read through the manual, the Beast X manual, it'll tell you to set 11 degrees uh, not, um, pitch, 11 degrees pitch, and 6 degrees of cyclic, which is, in my opinion, insanely slow. Hmm. I think I think don't quote me on that, listeners. I remember if, going if you through want to this. Correct, correct me. <laughs> I remember going through the setup and not picking the advanced like 3D pilot. Like I think I picked 3D Sport or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that just yeah your your 3D mild 3D and an extreme 3D. Um, and I can remember doing the servos and all that. Um, so on that servo page when you're doing a 90 degree um, servo right. layout. Yeah. The, the last two up and down arrows, one for pitch and one for cyclic. I wonder if you just left cyclic the way it is then. I don't know. I'll have to look now. Hmm. That'd be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, that's what you want to be. You want to be 12 and a half degree pitch. I have to do that on the oxy. I have to go through and check it all out because, like, uh, I was telling you, like, after I put that all back together for some reason, mm-hmm. now my, my pitch was way. I had a lot more positive pitch than negative. So, um,. That's and your servos are on ninety degrees at center. Yeah. So then that's your fly barless links. Yeah. Your, your links from your swash plate up to your uh, main grips. Those oh, okay. are when you have that much deflection. Positive. Wait, how much do you say you have positive? A lot. I have, of I'll have to check out the linkage again to make sure. Yeah. If you have more positive than negative, that means your uh, links are probably too long. So. When you're at your midpoint, your blades are not at zero degree pitch. Right. Okay. They're probably like, you know, five degrees. So when you go up, you're going up to 14 degrees. You go down, you're only going down to like six degrees on the negative side. Right. So yeah. the length is usually probably what's off on that. And I'm, I mean, I bet you without changing your icon settings because, you know, you just crashed. You didn't reconfigure anything. It's all mechanical repair. Yeah. Um. If you were to middle ninety degree your servo, right, on your like your gimbal, you you know, you take your throttle or your pitch halfway, leave it at fifty percent and fifty percent out on the radio, then you go to your helicopter, um, do it in throttle hold of course, or and then you can basically put a pitch gauge on your gate on your blade and on each blade just dial that to zero. When when that's zero on all three blades of your cube head. Right. Then that means you're at zero pitch at mid stick. I bet you that when you go positive and negative, it'll be equal. Then it'll be back to where it was prior to your crash. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you don't I really have to change hook it up. all that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But yeah, yeah. With the real flight or any helicopter sim, make sure you know if you're flying a helicopter, especially try to match up your settings. You know, if you don't know your settings on your real helicopter, then that's uh, me. <laughs> then you know I would just kind of tune everything down until if like visually and and like gimbal wise feels about the same, Re- regardless of the number. If you end up running in ten degrees of pitch and five degrees of cyclic, and that's what your helicopter feels like, 
then so be it. If you're giving full collective and that helicopter is jumping away from you like it's super quick, turn down the motor, turn down the head speed, you know, dial that down, maybe run the motor at 70% and kind of, you know, because I think that's when you'll be able to translate what you do on the sim quicker to in real life. So, so that's a tip. Go sim now. Actually, <laughs> Yeah, go sim, but still listen to us. So let's let's kind of move into news. Uh, what do we got here? Planes, heli, multi rotors, FPV. Uh, you got any news for us, Kev? Yeah, I, I was on uh, Horizon Hobbies uh, website, and oh, I came yeah. across something that I like, and I probably wind up getting. It's uh, a little expensive, but it's the um, Horizon Hobbies doing the the one point two version of their planes, which is one point yeah. two meters. Um, Works out to about 48 inches, I think. Mm-hmm. They're doing an F4U Corsair, which uh, looks pretty awesome, man. It's bind and fly. It's about, I don't know, they, they think the retail on it's like 260 That's um, not too bad. Yeah, because, I mean, it comes with a lot of pretty cool stuff. Um, it looked to me like on the demo I saw, and I'm probably jumping ahead, but it looked to me like on the demo I saw the, the multi-section flaps. You know where it has like three. The Corsair has has those three separate flaps. Okay. So um, I don't know how they did that, um, but it looked really cool. Nice. Is it split flaps? Uh, that I don't know. I don't think on the Corsair they were split. I could be wrong on that though. Oh no, I think you're right. I think they were full like because I remember in the kink. You know how they have that the kink in the wing. Yeah. That the inner parts was the whole thing would move down. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I don't think it has split flaps in real life. Yeah, so it's got it's got the AS3X in it, man. It's got uh, retracts, like I said. It's got a uh, a DSMX receiver in it, the AR636A. Ugh. Looks like it's got 40 amp ESC and 15 size um, motor. You know the the 850 kV brushless motor. It probably won't accept 4S. It says it accepts, you know, 2200 milliamp 3S batteries. Hmm. Um, that power system sounds very familiar. Yeah. 40 amp with an 850 kV. Uh, is it running? Oh, it's a four-bladed prop, but I wonder if this was a two-bladed prop, would it be running a 12, 4, 5 prop? Do you know what system I'm talking about? What plane this has very similar stats on the motor and the ESC? Yeah, I think the uh, Sukhoi, right? Yeah. And it has the same. I think, is, is it a 636? I think it is a 636. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that I'm I'm like very curious about that. And I don't know, the dumbest things catch my eye. When I saw the video, I saw that uh the rims aren't like chrome rims, they were like blacked out, and I was like, that freaking looks cool, man. <laughs> I, I, so I'm like, all right, sold. You sold me on the black rims. Nice. Uh, but I wanna I wanna check that. I'm I'm curious about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my eye on that one. The you can fly it clean or dirty, I guess it's got removable tanks. But it's got the four bladed prop. But it didn't look as large as the four-bladed prop that I had on the other Corsair. That Corsair I bought that was used. It yeah. didn't look that large, which I think will add to the performance. You know, I know the scale look is the scale look, but I think it will definitely make flying it a little bit easier. You know, because you won't have that torque of the motor, and or you won't have the torque of the props. Right. You know, uh, pulling the pulling the plane over. So that I'm, I'm interested in. Cool, yeah, and I like the the trim on that. I like the yeah. It was like a green and green and white. Mm-hmm. Says authentic Marine Corps trim, 
We nice. can link link that. Yeah, definitely. Well, what what do you think about the uh, the AX AS3X? I don't know in this in the Sukhoi, man. I don't know, dude, because I haven't flown without it. Uh, well, I mean, you've flown in a but I've full 3D mode, right? Like, yeah, I kind of go back and forth. I go from what I call the normal mode mm-hmm. to the uh, which isn't the stability mode or whatever. Take your hands off in it. The stability. Take your hands off the controls in two seconds. It flips over to. So wait, no, no, sorry, not the full 3D mode because the normal mode is kind of. The stability mode is normal, right? Where you let go of the sticks and it self levels. Well, there's the three. There's the advanced mode, which is 3D, and the and the throws are insane. That's the one where if you're flying really fast, the tail goes up and down because yeah, of the yeah, S3X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the gyros go nuts, right? Then there's a normal mode. I don't the precision think, flying mode. The precision flying mode. Yeah. Yes. I, I call then, it normal mode, and then there's the stability mode. Yeah, I remember on mine the stability mode was default, so every time I took off, <laughs> you know, I would like go stick and be like whoop. And it'll just stuff all over itself and freak me out. Yeah, I hated that. There was a few things I didn't like on that. The other thing was that uh, I had one switch that was, I guess, the flap switch. Yes. It, that kind of like self-righted the elevator. What I do now is I'll plug in the, the battery. I'll get it all set up, and I'll I'll bump the throttle a little bit. And if I see the, the elevator drop down, I know I got that switch on, and I have to, I have to get it out of it. And what I'll do is I'll pick it up. Like, I'll leave the wheels on the ground. I'll pick the rear of the plane up. And if I watch the elevator move up and down, I'm like, okay, I'm in that stupid mode. Because I've actually, like, (laughs) nearly pooped my freaking pants as this thing's flying away. And I can't get it to rise or fall. It's just going, it's flying away. Oh, yeah. I I had to fly away from that, too. And I'm like, where's that switch? I got to flip that stupid switch. That I don't like. Yeah. And you know what's the craziest part? That switch... It's the flap switch on your on right. your radio, and I've inhibited that switch, and it still sends a signal out to it, and it still locks up the tail. Yeah, that's it's, weird. It, to me, it, it it feels like a brownout because you don't really have any control. It just kind of flies away. Yeah. Until you switch that thing, and then you have full control again. It's the weirdest thing, and and I've reported this to um, Park Zone or Horizon Hobby, and you know they're like, I don't think anything's wrong. They sent me an, another um, AR636A. The the worst part about this receiver, and I, I guess it's smart on, on Park Zone or Horizon Hobby, that it is made specifically for this model. So they're like, I think that A designates like the, um, I forgot which one. There's, there's, there's an S model and that, you know, designates the Sukhoi. There's the, uh, what's that other plane that uses this? Um, the Visionaire, so there's a V model that designates the Visionaire. Oh. I guess this A1 designates this F4U or whatever. But um, one of the things I noticed is that you cannot program this with their own programmer that you could buy for 20 bucks. I bought the stupid programmer, plugged into my iPhone. It's like the, you know, the app, iPad or iPhone app one. I was like, yes, I'm going to... I'm going to disable that. I'm going to this I'm going to be able to disable AS3X. Um I'm going to set a mode where I can I could be precision flying but have more throws because I always want a little bit more. And I you know, I couldn't get it working. It wouldn't it wouldn't recognize. It wouldn't recognize I call them up and they're like, "Oh no, that only works for the standalone receiver that you spent 150 bucks for or whatever it is." Yeah, I couldn't believe that when he told like, me that. Really? Wow. That's I mean, I don't know. You're buying the plane, it comes with the receiver. Freaking 
get it, you know, have it unlocked. What, what's the difference if someone messes with it? You know, I mean, they do have great warranty. You know, I did get another receiver, and I actually got another ESC because I thought it was a brownout that caused my crash. Um, I totally lost everything, power and everything. Right. <clears throat> and then my plane did the little wink, wink, you know, where it checks the throws. Yeah. And it checked the throw one way, and then it just basically death spiraled right down before he even snapped the other way. So, you know, I, I blame it to Brownout, and it could have been my radio. I don't know. Who knows? But but ever since that, I haven't flown the Sukhoi. You know, I fixed it. It's all back together. Yeah. I, you know, I glued it all back together. I put the new receiver in. Uh, I ended up buying a Hobby King Deluxe 50-amp um, Turnigy, like whatever they're – I don't know if it's a high-end or anything, but it's the D-LUX series ESC 50, you know. 50 amp, which I think can support 4S. So I was like, cool. Maybe I'll give 4S a try, you know? So I have that in there and everything seems fine, but I just, I don't know. That's an AR636. There's no designation. And this, there, I'm on the website now, and it says mm-hmm. powerful 10 size and uh, 1250 kV motor in the in the Sukhoi. So it wasn't. Oh, so, uh, so, so it's not the same motor. No. I know the 40 amp brushless ESC, that's the same amp. Right. That stood out in my mind, too. That's why I was like, and and the the way that they said 3s like 2200 yeah. 3s, geez, I I started off with that, but now now I'm running the um those flatter three uh, thousands, yeah. which I love. It balances out that Sequoia so much nicer, man. So even though that the the designate isn't in their key features or in their website, if you actually look at the replacement for it, it'll have the designate like the that letter on the end. Oh, okay. So I think it's like six three six dash something. So like it might not say it in the uh, you know the specifications, but I bet you if you go into their replacement parts for that and you look up that replacement receiver, it'll you'll see the S at the end. Okay. So they totally kind of like I mean I got a replacement and it's fine, but it's just it's set only for the Sukhoi. I could I can't take that receiver out and put it in any other plane that I want to put it in. I I bought this thing. It should be you know it should be open open game for me to like oh if I want to. I don't know, throw it into a flight test plane, you know, why not? If you spend the money for the programmer. Yeah. They shouldn't tell you after the fact, oh, yeah, you know, that's just for the for the other model that's exactly the same number. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't say it in the, um, when you buy the programmer, it doesn't say only for this version. I mean, like, at least maybe I didn't see it. Maybe I missed it. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You know, so I actually, remember when I was flying the Sequoia with, with a regular Spectrum receiver. Yeah, I know you said it. It flew totally different. Yeah, it's it's so it's pretty nuts how cre- how much that AS3X is actually doing something when you're flying it. That it felt like a totally different plane, and maybe it's I had to trim it or whatever, or CG might have been off. I don't know, but it felt totally different. I had you saw me when after my first crash with the Sequoia and I fixed it back up. I was like just smacking that thing around like i didn't care like i i would have crashed it you know let me go fly up quickly you know do a cuban reverse cubinate or whatever it's called or hammerhead turn and just like come low to the ground like i don't care fly fast but then when i put that receiver in to try that i lost all confidence i was like okay okay play oh man there's a handful oh oh no i'm gonna crash you know so you know i guess i can't have both you know yeah it's either you got to use the receiver and make it easier flying plane or you get yourself a standalone receiver without the AS3X and, you know, deal with learning to fly a 3D plane, you know, without any gyros. So, 
Yeah, man. All right, so um, let me see. I think I got a couple of things I, I wrote down here. Uh, yeah. So there's a servo company. Oh, not really a servo company. It's actually a pretty famous motor company. Um, I don't know if they used to make servos too, but Hacker, Hacker Motors, you probably heard of those, right? No, I. No. I haven't heard of those. Nope. Usually, like people talk about Hacker Motors and Rimfire Motors, like you know, being oh, Rimfire more of, definitely hurt. Yeah, Rimfire is a tower hobbies or great planes or whatever. But Hacker Motors is a company. I think it's a German company. And if you ever talk to like the people who do like big scale planes, like really big electric planes, you know, nine out of ten times they're going to be using a Hacker Motor. Oh, okay. Um, they're supposed to be very well engineered, very well made. Um, they have a new line of servos out that I've I found on their website. Um, probably I don't know. As far as I can tell, they kind of they kind of look cool. They're purple and black, but they don't really seem anything different. But there is one thing different that I noticed about it is that they have a built-in telemetry in it. In the servo. In the servo, so you could get telemetry back to your radio on your servo performance. Oh, that's crazy, man. I don't know how you. How would you differentiate? How many numbers are you going to be staring at when you're supposed to be looking at the helicopter? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's for helicopters only, or it could be. I think it's also for planes because they make a, a a flat one for your aileron servos to go in the wings. You know, that would be really good for your elevator. The most important thing on a plane, like you could land a plane without ailerons, you can land a plane without a rudder, but you're not landing a plane without the elevator. That would be good. Yeah to see um, real time what your elevator servo was doing but i guess you can i guess you can actually log that too log that information mm-hmm. so right now it looks like reading on their website that the uh, advanced radio telemetry systems um, and they say such as a jetty duplex are capable of providing modelers real time information from their model and it should include data from their critical actuator servos so so i guess currently it's probably meant for more like a you know higher end jetty radio okay Those so things are pretty expensive so i'll never see that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man i'll, I'll you never know, have one use to that <laughs> i don't know i mean did you would you ever thought 2 years ago you would spend 4 or 500 dollars for your dx9 um no. <laughs> no, oh, I got man. I got a pretty good deal on that though. I got that from I think Jeff clued me in that. Yeah, yeah, they had a sale, they had right? A sale. It was like four hundred bucks for the radio plus a eight channel receiver. Mm. That wasn't a bad deal. No, that's not bad at all. Um, but you never know. Maybe a Jetty might go on sale. I mean, I think their low end models are like not the low end models, but I think. They have like a 16 channel version or something. I think like the cheaper ones are like, I mean, it's cheaper for Jetty. It's like eight nine hundred dollars, I think. I don't know. I have to say, I'm pretty happy with the DX9. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna ever switch out of Spectrum. I know a lot of folks. Spectrum sucks. You get brownouts. Blah blah blah. Satellite receiver suck. Blah blah blah. And you know, I I admit it. I've had a, I've had crashes from a brownout from a, um, you know, satellite receiver or maybe those cheap lemon rx or yeah but i mean it is it is their technology right i mean well it's their uh, technology that's been ripped off by by the chinese knockoffs very true you know but uh, even with the spectrum stuff i feel like they're not bulletproof you know they they i think one of the problems is you know we buy one of those like ar 6210s 
Right. Right. Six channel. Yeah. With the little two pigtails that come out the side and there's like a small little rectangle. But what we don't realize is, especially for me, because I buy some of them off of eBay, that those are those that's a park receiver. They're not considered a full range receiver unless you have an extra satellite hooked up to it. Right. That's why I usually buy the ones that uh, have the long whip coming off it. You have like one long whip and one short one. Yeah. Or two long ones. Usually one long one. Okay, yeah, it has like a little black thing at the end of it. It's like weird little. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I have one of those. I, that's the one I use in my EFX racer because yeah. I'm going to fly that quick and far. And, that gets you know, small fast. fast, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, I've, and granted, I've never had a problem with that one, but I've had problems with the AR6210s with the, without having an additional satellite, um, especially flying far. And flying in a field where there's a lot of like fly fest, basically. I I was getting some brownouts or not brownouts, but interference. I'll say, sure. yeah. yeah, interference. You know, with the you know with with my yak um, that profile plane. Well, or, that's what we narrowed it down to. We said you know we're only having problems with interference on the small knockoff park. Uh, well, no, I'm, I'm even with the spectrum ones. I, I had the same issue. Oh, you still had problems with spectrum ones. See, I didn't have any problems with spectrum ones. And I think it's because it's a park receiver with the short little antennas. And oh, I'm okay. flying them too far with too much 2.4 radio, uh, f- you know, waves yeah. bouncing, f- hopping like crazy, you know, switching channels and however Spectrum does their, uh, you know, sp- spread Spectrum. But, um, you know, so a lot of times now I'm, I'm, when I use those receivers, even if it's in like a small foamy, I put in the satellite. I run both, you know. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, and the Radian, uh, Radian, I have that 6210 with a satellite, you know, I sent DSMX satellite, you know, so well, that's, I don't have that that's problem. that's cool, because you want to do FPV in that, so. Yeah, and you're definitely going to f- fly further than right. you would like sites, so yeah. So the DI, or Ditex servos from Hacker Innovation Line, it's pretty cool, telemetry is pretty cool, and I don't know the pricing yet, um, you know, all the torque and speed settings seems reasonable. There's there's a whole bunch of different models too. Well, that's what so, I was going to ask you. What sizes they came in? I mean, every full size to micro to wing. Okay. Um, or is this mini? Wow. This so be... they're really uh, they're really going at it. Yeah, and I think it looks pretty cool. Um, actually, I'm looking at a map here. It says have any questions, and they're in Kansas City. I don't know if it's. This is just a U.S. Re- you know reseller or company version of the U.S. side. I thought it was a German company, though. Huh. I don't know. If you know if a Hacker Motor is U.S. or German, let me know. I thought it was German, though. Um, so one more other thing I had is um, Chad Capper, uh, founder of Flight Test. He has a new project out. It's called Rotor, Rotor Riot. It's called Rotor Rotor Riot? Rotor Riot. Okay. <laughs> um, and I mean, I watched a couple of their, I watched the trailer and watched a video too. And it seems like it's just, it's basically a show following uh, quad racers, or quad pilots, you know, race quad pilots. Yeah, I know. I saw one guy I recognized, which was um, Sharpu. Sharpu, Dan Steele, uh, just a couple of folks uh, I recognized from, oh, I didn't recognize you know, anybody else couple of the other videos flight test put out um <clears throat> Sharpu for sure i mean you know he's uh get fpv i think he's a sponsor pilot for get F- get fpv or yeah 
or what's that Lumineer? Lumineer, yeah. Um, he's a he's a crazy, awesome pilot. Like he, his uh, freestyle stuff it amazes me. You ever watch his videos on his uh, YouTube channel? I think it's like Sharpu FPV or something. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I like I watch it, but I kind of get bored fast with that stuff. Like I'm flying through a tree, I'm flipping. Okay, good, all right, true. I'm going fast. I, you know, half the time I'm watching the video going. All right, did he speed this up or did he not speed this up? Looks sped up to me. Maybe it isn't. Okay, yeah, he definitely sped it up. So I don't know like <laughs> what I'm looking at half the time. True. Um, I'm sure it's exciting to some people, and I'm sure like watching them race is exciting. And I think yeah. we even talked about this once before too. But I, I, dude, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's for me or not. The racing stuff, I think, kind of gets boring because you're basically doing laps. It's like NASCAR, like. You know, you, you're waiting to see them crash, basically. Um, when they're if, going through, like, the jungle gym and stuff like that. I found a couple of, like, David's, David Vindestall's, um videos more um, entertaining. Especially the one when he was chasing the guy in the swamp boat and he hit the guy in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. You didn't see that? I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, you got to check it out. I'll, we got to link that one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was pretty funny, man. But see, I mean, that's more of like cinematic, I guess. Like, there's, I guess, a, exactly. Not a story, it, but there's a it was more it was more it. right. It was more cinematic, yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, I I find Sharpoo's flying amazing in the aspect of like when he does the freestyle stuff, the control he has to like hang time, like go up, do a flip, and hang yeah. upside down. That's and amazing. And then like yeah. turn over and like change directions in it. Ow, I snapped my finger that I oh, have uh, my zombie finger. Um, in an instant, he's like flips around, goes the other way. Like I've flown a 250 quad. <laughs> I can't do that. I could barely turn before hitting the ground. You know, like so. Like it amazes me. But I definitely see a point. I can't watch his videos back to back or multiple videos that are, especially if they're too long. Like two three minutes is kind of my. My as long as I can go, and usually the music, that dubstep type of music, kind of makes me forget about the time, I guess, because it's just like I'm just looking at the action, and it kind of goes with the music. But yeah, um, dubstep. What is that? Is that like a hip version of two step? Like is that country or western? No, no, it's like just electronic <laughs> sound effect, weird oh. music. I don't know. Even it's even weird for me, and I used to DJ. You know, like I used to. You know, spin trance and house music and stuff back in my younger days. And it's to me, I'm, I listen to dubstep and I'm like, you know, when you watch a GoPro video, that music they have. Yeah. yeah. It like, has like all these weird, like, you know, effects and. Oh, dude, you don't have to explain weird music to, to me, man. I'm, I, I often say that's shit music. I should know shit music because that's all I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's dubstep. It's like that type of, you know, electronic very um insynchronous yeah. and high beat and high rate of you know bpms and stuff so i don't know I, so I do what's the, so the show is just he's following guys around with that fly so. this stuff yeah i think it's just kind of like the life of these pilots you know and i know in the trailer they had a clip of like you know a cop or a park official saying you guys can't be doing that here blah blah blah, you know and he's recording the whole thing so i mean some of that stuff i guess could be interesting as as these pilots often 
um, go to places that are unauthorized to fly, which is at the end of the day is the reason why the FAA is coming down on. I was just going to say that. (laughs) I was going to be like, well, that's going to help things. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I mean, you know, there's a disclaimer, but what does the disclaimer really do? But have people fast forward it or laugh at it, you know? Yeah. Like don't copy this DVD. Yeah. Oh no, no one does that. I don't know. Maybe we'll see if it's interesting. We'll have to talk about that FAA some more as as the date gets closer. Yeah. Well, you heard the latest news, right? No. Is register. Yeah, yeah. No reason why. Just register. No, yeah. No explanation. Just saying. No explanation. I should register. You know what? I'm. Oh man, I'm gonna wait because I I don't want to get into it now. (laughs) Yeah, let's kind of move on. I think we've been. uh, Yeah, we're yammering. Yammering and. Going tangents like crazy here. So, what are you gonna be working on next? What's your what you got planned for your build or repair or? Well, I'm gonna build that radiant. Actually, I I started to look at the whole kit I mean, that that see. Kevin Matusik had sent. Uh huh. Um, and I was gonna trace it out, but I don't think I'm gonna. I think I'm just gonna see if I can put. It's pretty complex, and you know. I'm thinking well, you, to myself. You're looking at the fuse fuse strips and auto strips and all that. Yeah, stuff. I looked at all that stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to figure out like a, a scheme, uh, some color to put on it, and how I'm going to do that. But then I'm like thinking, you know, the guy was nice enough to send us a couple of kits that were, you know, reasonable. Um, not reasonable, more than reasonable. That he really didn't charge us, you know, full price for. And so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it together. And um, dude, if I got to buy another one because I smash it up, I'll buy another one. You know. Yeah, it's and you know, I mean, they're, they're, <clears throat> they're only thirty bucks. Yeah, and I, I got to talk to him. It's just, I've kind of I haven't spoken to him in the last couple of days. We kind of talk, you know, every other day or something, just kind of touch base with each other. But um, I, I know in the last in the show we were talking about the thirty inch radian. Right. So, like I don't, you know, whatever he wants to charge us, I'll, I want to talk to him about that because I, I definitely want to get one of those in, and kind of do a maybe a side by side comparison against. The FT Arrow FPV and Ooh. 30-inch radio radian uh, FPV because if you think about the power system, it's the same. Yeah. You know, your FPV gear is your FPV gear and, and controls are controls. Like, you know, they're both, you know, Elevons, like, so Bank and Yank. Like, That's a great idea, man. Yeah, we should, let's do that, right? We should do a comparison. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and I know, that's, I know that I saw a video with a guy flying it, so I know he's got it, you know, ready to go. He's mm-hmm. he's close, yeah. yeah and he did say if you bring the electronics, he'll he'll bring one to uh, Neff for you. But um, oh right, yeah, we could do that. So yeah, I think uh, he was talking about Jake Neff. Wells. Remember he uh, right sent them like the big one and the small one and right, right. a couple of them and got a quad for it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. that'd be cool. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, I hope you don't like end up angering or you know pissing off flight tests or Kevin or anyone. From doing this, I don't know. Well, no, I don't think they. I think they would like the feedback. True. Okay. I don't know. I just you know, I, I want to be politically correct and sensitive to everyone's needs. Not me. <laughs> I want to know if I haven't offended you, so I can get to you next time. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> oh boy. So okay, so you're gonna be building a Raiden. Yeah. Nice. Not gonna trace it. Do you have a your electronics lined up for it already? Like the uh, the motor. And everything, I don't think I do. No, 
I have to look at what I have to I have to look at his whole way that he uh, recommends the setup on that. I think he said it was the the generic, not generic. I mean, the yeah, he, he did, yeah, he did uh, say twenty two twelve or something, right? Fourteen hundred kV. Yeah. So. Oh, I, I have that then. I'm pretty sure you have at least one, if not two, cruiser yeah. motors. Um, <laughs> those were a thousand kVs. Oh, were they thousand? Yeah, oh. those were Turner G thousands. Um, but but yeah. I know I have fourteen hundred. I know ex- I have exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, so I mean, you could try it. You could definitely run that. Yeah, I want to. I definitely want to fly that again, I, and I want to do a proper maiden. I feel like uh, I kind of messed up on the record and stuff, so I definitely want to get that kind of yeah maiden, and actually maybe do a FPV maiden. So I'm definitely gonna need you to spot me and hand launch it for me. Yeah, I think we should get a couple of cameras going for that or whatnot. If it's definitely when we do the we if we do the comparison thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely for the comparison. We should um we'll get it together. Yeah, yeah, maybe you could get your uh or I could get my dragonfly or you can get your uh your spider. What is it? The Electro-hub? Yeah. Which is the one with the the forward being a little bit swept back, the forward yeah. boom. Yeah, that's just um, Spider or dead cat configuration. Dead cat, yeah, dead cat. You know, maybe you could do some follow video too, which would be real nice to get something in the air. And yeah. then maybe I could swap out and try to follow you with one of my quads or or maybe yours. I don't know. I combine yours and, and we try it. I don't know. So what I got working on is I'm going to try to finish the A10. Okay. I need to buy servos for it. So that's going to be my hiccup right now. Servos and ESCs. Um, I don't have ESCs for my EDFs, the 68 millimeter EDFs that I have. Oh. So I'm going to have to get a couple of those ESCs, probably, I think, 70 amp. Ugh, I feel like it's so high. Really? That much? I think that's what he recommends. I th- what, what comes in the, the 70 millimeter vegan one, the Gray's Hobby one? I thought that was like a 60. 50? A 60? Might have been a 50. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that seems think- high. I think he recommended 70 amps in his flight test article. I'll double check, but I need to get a couple ESCs, and I, you know, I'm definitely gonna be running 4S on it. So usually, I would think the more amps you, the more voltage you go, the less amps draw you have. So maybe it doesn't have to be that high. I don't know. I'll figure that out and get hmm. those on order. So servos, ESCs, and then I should be able to get that kit done. Um, I'm really confused about how the the nose gets built. How the nacelles, the EDF uh, pods, get put on? But if I have to wing it and just put a bunch of glue on it and you know make it my own, so be it. Yeah. But I want to finish the A10 um, and probably have that ready in a month. I'm not. I'm not in no rush to get that finished. I wanted to build. I have plans for a Spitfire. You know, already printed out like on the big large format printer. So I'm. I'm thinking about building another Spitfire. I kind of really enjoyed that plane, and I, I kind of miss not having oh, that. Oh, right, because so. yours is in pieces, yeah. Oh, not anymore. It's gone. It's in the garbage. Oh, <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I stripped everything out to uh, <clears throat> make the two trainers, the FT trainers that uh Oh, right. Stuff. Yeah. So what I'm thinking of doing is I have that P50 FT Mustang, and I flew it once or twice at the field. Um, I don't know. I feel like... The wheels don't hold the plane up, and it kind of just wobbles on the runway and falls over. Um, I guess I could try to develop better landing gears for it, but I don't know. I'm not really happy with that the way that build came out. So 
I might take all the electronics out of that and put that into uh, a Spitfire. There you go. Yeah. But personally, I like the Spitfire better than the Mustang. And I know you, I think you preferred the Mustang though, right? I think the Mustang flies for having landing gear. I think it flies better. Okay. Um, it flies really close. I think the Spitfire is a great plane to fly early on, like great, like beginner intermediate plane. But I think for having the landing gear, I, I thought I liked the characteristics of the Mustang a little bit better. I think the Spitfire needed that that wedge, the angle the motor down a little bit. That's that's what, the only reason I'm probably saying that. Because mm. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I I loved mine before. You know, I crashed it so badly I had to repair. You know, I couldn't repair it. Um, the only complaint I had with it is the the roll rate was really slow. The, at, yeah, it's slow. Um, so I'll probably cut my ailerons an inch bigger, you know, yeah. an inch deeper in and see what happens. Um, you know, dude, I'm not knocking that Spitfire at all, man. I really love that plane, but I just thought for the Mustang, what it was with the landing gear, it mm-hmm. was, I think it flew just a touch better, like, okay. for me. I still remember the video that you uh, you took, and I think you, like, when you made the video, you're like, dude, you, you were doing this roll, and then, like, you kept rolling, and then just flew out of the roll inverted. <laughs> And it was just like, and like the way it just flew for me, I just, I was so graceful and so like, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. So I'm definitely gonna. Yeah, yeah. When I was chasing you, yep. Yeah. And like I'm, I'm basically doing a roll and then I stop rolling and could and just use that as a turn, like you know. Yeah, you did a really cool, yeah. However bank that was. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm gonna build another Spitfire, but I think this time I might want to, um, do a camel paint job or something or something a little more, less like strips of duct tape you know for color yeah <laughs> you know i'll probably still make it black though i don't know yeah I, i'll probably still make it black i wanted to try doing doing one with and doing the tape from tape brothers but still do a camo or do some kind of scheme on it i might it's do, a good plan it's easy to put together yeah yeah it wasn't hard i mean i don't know i think i don't know, i don't really feel ft planes are hard to build at all anymore no you know after you build so many vegans and so many like Planes, you kind of get used to the build techniques, and you kind of have them down. So, definitely, um, it's not a hard build. No, um, it's not a quick build either. I would say, though, I don't know. I think cutting out all the curved things are yeah, a that's a little time consuming. Yeah, yeah. But I do love the profile of that wing. You know how the wing tips kind of narrow in. Stuff. Yeah, it looks great, man. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm gonna say bye to the FT Mustang I have and take the electronics and. Make it into a Spitfire, so that's that's one of the next things I'm gonna work on, and hopefully uh, meet in 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 a couple of weeks or next week. We'll see. We'll see how the weather is, and I'm gonna put landing gears on it. Okay. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I'm gonna do it just like the Mustang. Put a little um, paint paint mixer stick, you know, as the support inside the wing. Nice. And then, you know, gouge out the you know cut out the foam to to put the landing gear in like an L shape or whatever. However, yeah, I, I've done it on the Mustang. Gouged um, out. Yeah. Or I don't know. Yeah, don't you gouge it out like you you cut us cut the L shape and then you yeah yeah I know what you mean. use like a popsicle stick <laughs> to kind of gouge it out bigger and then you stick it in there and glue it in yeah so I'm gonna do that I'm gonna try to get thicker music wire so that way they're less uh, flappy yeah like and we'll just like I you know the wheel would just buckle in and that's what I, I had to hand toss it and yeah I even like, noticed on mine if I came in too hot and turned mm-hmm. too too abruptly yeah it would fold in yeah so I'm gonna try thicker music wire you, you know? should check the um the ft forums and the 
the especially the articles because I know there's been articles on putting landing gear on the Spitfires. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely check it out. See what people have done. Maybe you can get some ideas. Definitely, yeah. Or maybe maybe I'll just buy the thirty dollar Hobby King retracts and see what how they fit on. Yeah. Are, do they weigh a lot? I mean, you have those, right? Yeah. Uh, I haven't weighed them though. Wait, there's a lot of metal to them. Yeah. That's one thing I'm worried about. Like, I would love to have retracks, and I already have that tail wheel assembly that um I got, uh, I had you know I got from you when you ordered it. Yeah. Um, so that'd be a perfect combination. But I'm just unsure about the added weight from like the the size of the plane, the motor prop, you know, combo kind of deal. So the power yeah. system. So I don't know. Maybe I'll make two wings. You know, I'll try retracts, and if it doesn't work, I'll just rip the wing off and glue the other one back in, and you know, and I'll just have regular standing, you know, little music wire wheels. Re- you know, uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it's winter time. My mind's kind of going crazy on what I should do with this. You know, I got all this time on our hands. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully not for long. True. Yeah. We'll see. Um. All right. So let's. Uh. Then you, you want to wrap, wrap it up? things up? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, been going through the states, and we have uh, new listeners in some uh, some new states. Kansas is one of them. I was stationed in Kansas at Fort Riley for a couple of years. Um, Tennessee is another one. Alabama, Arkansas, um, which I'm sure the locals call it Arkansas. Um, Iowa. What? <laughs> I'm only making a joke, dude. <laughs> I was like, no, that can't be true. It's not true. We're going to get hate mail from Arkansas now. Yeah. <laughs> Arkansas, okay. That's probably why they changed the pronunciation, because they wanted nothing to do with Kansas. Um, Iowa, which I was glad to hear that we have some listeners in Iowa, seeing that nice. there's some big political events coming up up there. Um, mm-hmm. And Wisconsin, we have some uh, listeners in Wisconsin. Sorry, Sweet. Sorry, you awesome. Packers fans. Uh, yeah. Sorry about mm-hmm. what happened. And countries now, this blew me away, dude. Um, yeah. We got listeners in in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. Canada, <laughs> Canada. Yeah, Canada. it's like Granada, Canada. No, uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that 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 blew me away, man. Yeah, especially because I I do know someone who is uh, openly Canadian. Openly Canadian. <laughs> that just didn't go over good. That just went over my head, so I don't really understand. Um, okay. It's not as funny when you have to explain it. No, not at all. Probably cutting it right out. <laughs> yeah, or leave it as a blooper somewhere later in the blooper reels. You should actually be. Uh, oh, I've got some bloopers, I'm sure. Nice, um, cool. So, so we got some sh- some Facebook likes too, man. Even Sweet. just recently, like six hours ago. Oh yeah. Yeah, the Kamar nice. Simmons. He just liked this. Probably eight hours ago now. Uh, awesome. Do you want to read the rest of them? You've been doing that. Um, yeah, sure. Kamara Simmons, we just said. Uh, William Cap, Chris Rybert. Ooh, Chris Rybert from Rochester, right? Yeah. I know uh, Anthony speaks very highly of you. Um, one of our friends, Anthony, that um, he uh, bought your uh, Goblin 700 KSC. Nice. That's awesome. Um, and then we also got here Chris Hayworth, Code Pox. Hey, it's our friend Kevin Matusek. Nice. Uh, Jeremy Morris, Greg Pendler, Adam Verrett, Crash Hancock. That can't be his real name. No. If it is, that's an awesome name. 
I'm going to name my kid Crash. It's no. not beating Todd <laughs> Optional, though. It's not beating Todd Optional. No, yeah. no one can beat Todd Optional. But um, let's see. What else we got here? Justin Rukowski. Uh, I'm sorry, Justin, but Rukowskis. Rukowskis. I'm sorry. I just butchered your last name. But, yep, Justin. We got Corey Fitton and Lane Star. Star. And I think you missed Justin Dixon. Oh, and Justin Dickinson. Sorry, Justin. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for liking the page. We're at 50 likes now. Awesome, How awesome dude. is that? 14 of them were this week. Nice. That is cool. And um, we like you. Yes, we like you too. So thank you for liking us. Um, this is awesome. So let's see. Uh, we also had some new iTunes reviews. This is great too. Maybe yeah. uh, as we get more reviews, we'll kind of get bumped up on that. Uh, I guess I don't know how they do their search thing, but you know, we'll get bumped up on their search thingy. And let's read some of those reviews. Um, I'll take the first one. And okay. then you want to take the second. And we have three, so... We'll just kind of go back and forth. So we have Gary Manilo. He gave us a five-star review and wrote, RC planes, helis, and multi-rotors. These guys are new, so I cut them some slack. Cool. We are new. Yeah, definitely cut us some slack. <laughs> uh, they touch on <laughs> a lot of subjects. Very formative. Can't wait for more from them. Nice. Cool. Yeah, we're new. You know. And we touch on a lot of subjects. Yeah. And hopefully we've been informative to to the, our listeners, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think that we've been pretty good. All right, you want to take the next one here? Yeah, sure. Fast Fred 529 uh, gave us a five-star review. He said it's like hanging out with friends, two self-proclaimed flight test fanboys, <laughs> and an RC helicopter pilot share knowledge and experiences of the RC flying hobby. I guess maybe hmm, that was the one there. that was we had Anthony on? It could be. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm the flight test fanboy. Uh, it could be that. Or could it or... be me and Jeff and you are the helicopter pilot? Maybe. That's a um, goblin fanboy? I am a goblin fanboy. I am a helicopter <laughs> fanboy. I mean, if, if, if you told me I could only fly one aspect of RC, it'd be helicopters. No hands down. Like, no question about it. I would say, okay, I won't fly planes or multi-rotors. I'm flying pla- or helicopters. You know? And if you told me I had to only fly one aspect of RC, I'd tell you to get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm flying as much as I can. Be like, you ain't the boss of me. Just get out of here, <laughs> Johnny FAA. Yeah, there you go. Hit the road. <laughs> Hit the road, Jack. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, and we have the last one here. Oh, I recognize this. I know who that is. Yeah. His name is FT Flying Monkey. So. For all you self-proclaimed flight test fanboys, I'm pretty sure you know who Flying Monkey is. Um, he gave us a five-star review and wrote, I can't get enough RC Aviation podcasts. I love hangar flying, and these guys do a great job of chatting up in such a way that I end up trying to reply to the topics as they're discussing them. Um, I have to wait until I stop driving to go <laughs> post on their Facebook uh, a forum post or Facebook page. So... If, for those who don't know who Flying Monkey is, he's Fred Provost. He's, you know, we had him as a guest here. Um, thank you, Fred. Yeah, thanks, thank Fred. Kind words. It's great. Um, I know you listen to it in your car, so I definitely know this is you. And I know you say that oftentimes 
it's, I think it was I think it was you. Sorry, I might be mistaken on this, but I think you said that oftentimes you're listening in the car, and because they're in the car, kind of like in your head, that you reply or answer back to them like they're in the car talking to you. So how's it going, Fred? That's good to hear. Awesome. <laughs> we definitely got to talk some more and, you know, get you back on the show for another episode. That was kind of weird. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. So uh, I just want to thank all our flight test forum folks that, uh, you know, showing some love and activity on our um, forum page over there. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we have an email address. It's freefallrc at gmail.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you want to hit us up on Facebook, definitely come over and say and like us and write something, you know, say hi. Let, you know, we want to hear from you. And on our Facebook page, it is uh, facebook.com slash freefallrcpodcast. We have the forums on flight tests, so definitely come find us there. Yeah, we're under um... – Audio and video production under mm-hmm. that tab because I had a hard time originally. Yeah, I think the full thing is so like when you go to the, the forum, field. Mm-hmm. When, when you go to the forum, just look audio and video productions. And then from there, we're like right on the top. They they hooked us up really nice. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely come and, you know, we'll have this. We'll have this episode when it gets released. Um, we'll have a, a thread on there about this episode with any uh, show notes, links, and stuff that we're going to have in pictures. Um, I kind of backlogged all of our uh, previous episodes, so you should definitely see uh, those threads there. All right. So, yeah, thank you. This was episode number seven. Thanks for listening. And I want to, you know, thank our subscribers and listeners. Uh, see you next time. Yeah, see you guys. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye.